Yeah, I refuse to talk about any of those games. And I guess that answer <laughs> that that says it all right there. Schools of Honor podcast. I'm Josh Folan. And I'm Jay Baxter. And we are going to be bullshitting about the formative years of console gaming as we revisit the paradoxes that covered it again. again. We are back on our random rag shit today, diving into the inaugural issue of Jay's Childhood Mag Jam Electronic Gaming Monthly. Yes, Link sir. The issue is in the show notes, as it always is. Please rate and review the podcast. If you like what we're doing, if you post it, we'll read it here. Give us validation and self worth, or ridicule us as long as it's also funny. Before we talk mag, let's talk jamming. What are we jamming on, Jay? What are you jamming on right now? So, is that Fallout? What the fuck is that? No, so this dude, I've been playing so much Call of Duty these days. Oh, God. So much Call of Duty. I've it's, heard so much shit talking about Call of Duty on the internet. So the, the funny thing about this, like we've got to talk, we got to talk about my relationship with COD because you know up until recently, like I just didn't understand how big it was, but like I do have a prior relationship here, so like. I remember back in the day when we were both acting, I was doing a promo for a Call of Duty launch in not Times Square, but um, Union Square, New York City for a Call of Duty game, like at a GameStop. And it was a midnight release. And I remember being this like huge, big deal, people lining up. Like, I don't remember which Call of Duty was, but I remember being Call of Duty. Fast forward, like when I finally got my first console. When did that shit start? Do we know I, when that shit started? I don't started? know. I'm like, like, does anyone like actually know? Does the internet 2003, even know? 2003, 2001, 2003. I don't know. Something like that. 1974. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know, like, when I, I want a Call of Duty on Atari 2600 card, actually. I bet there's someone out there. Making that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. A little sprite. Just give, give me the little joystick. I'll, I'll test combat. it. Combat. It's just combat, but a different. Hero, but a different hero sprite. <laughs> Give me the branding and it'll sell. It'll sell. But yeah, man, I, uh, so I remember that experience being like a big deal. And then when I finally got my first adult console again, like, cause like, you know, I didn't buy a console after, you know, leaving high school again until the Xbox one, like call of duty ghosts was one of the first carts I bought. And like, this game is great. Like I always play call of duties, but I always play the campaign. Because I dipped my toe in the PvP years ago, got wrecked, realized I wasn't good at it, and I was like, ah, forget it. But, like, now that I've spent so much time playing Halo and other things like that, it's like, why would I not, you know, just spend that time playing playing COD instead? So, I've played Warzone, which is, like, the Battleground version, you know, so I've I've played a lot of it. But, man, the, the Zombies mode is so much fun. It's, like, it's so different. Like, when I think of Call of Duty, I think of, I immediately used to think of, like, the war experience, but, like, clearly there's been different kinds of campaigns and different kinds of, like, I don't know, combat, ver- you know, combat experiences you can have. But now with zombies, it's it's like, I often feel like I'm playing The Walking Dead when I play zombies. Because it's like me, a couple friends, like, just rolling around. It's such a, just a different experience that, like, I don't know, they've done a great job of expanding the game. Because clearly you can go get that normal, like, war, quote-unquote, experience and, like, extractions and all these other things. But they've never played so much it. To oh no, that's a lie. I played. I played. I I don't know where or how, but I did play like seventeen seconds of it one time, 
who knows when. <laughs> I feel I, it's weird. I, I have it associated with a very specific time in my life when I lived on 29th and 3rd. Oh. Uh, in uh, in Murray Hill, so like I don't know why. Like again, it's like <laughs> I have no like. I, it's not like I picture myself playing it at that apartment. It's just when I think of the memory of Call of Duty. Yeah, that is the place in the world where I am, and I don't I don't have an explanation for that association. But yeah, I've never really played it. But the idea of playing a one for one, like playing, like one of the coolest things about Skyrim to me was and it was so poor it was such a poorly done part of it but it just the concept of being part of a full army mm-hmm. that's actually engaged in the battle and just being one soldier in that act or in that event yes while a full like strategic thing is happening that you are supposed to be contributing to is a really appealing idea to me yes. especially when it gets into I'm sure they have put, I don't know, I guess I shouldn't say I'm sure, but I would hope, given the branding for this game and what they market themselves as, that they have put a great deal of effort into uh, emulating is maybe the wrong word, but reenacting actual battles. I would hope that they have taken actual battles and like done the homework to make that really happening the way it happened around you and given you agency to participate in that. And that is an appealing idea. I just don't want to walk around and shoot shit, especially on a flat screen. <laughs> if they put it in VR, I might oh, be interested. That would be yeah, cool. Of, course, of, of like, if, if, if you're actually like, if you actually could be part of, again, that historical or historical significant, historically significant thing happening. Like that's a really cool idea. But again, it's just not uh, the way it is built now. It's just you're just walking around. It's just like so every See, other shooting game ever. You're, you're, <laughs> no, it, it's actually not like I, it has the best, the best mechanics, the best gameplay. Like I, I've clearly I play a lot of, of shooters, and like this is the best in terms of like graphics, gameplay, story, all of that. Like, and when you're when you're playing with multiple people, it's just what I could all, all I could ever ask for. Because you have your classic PvP where we're like we're all shooting each other. We're like you know, on different opposing squads or whatnot. But then, like, something like Zombies, where you might have mercenaries out there, just like you would in, like, The Walking Dead or something, human mercenaries, but you're also going to have zombies, like, on your ass all the time that you're, you got to just be ready for, you know, and have different strategies for. And, like, I don't know. It's it's really fun and really well done. It's also interesting, too, like, they've expanded into... Actually, I, I'm going to hold that thought, because to also <laughs> respond to your other point, there's actually a lot of games where you are really one part of like this historical battle that's happening. Like some of the assassins. I'm, sure, no, yeah, like I'm not that, saying it's like some revolutionary idea. I'm sure Rome. there's been a bunch of it, but again, had done the homework to make it. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah. And, and not just some awesome. half-assed. Yeah. Like you know, this is quote, this just unquote, supposed to, to be. Yeah, we're there. We're there. <laughs> and we have the same trees. Like it's not, you know, it's not, I mean, like, like again, like the actual strategic, strategic yeah. components of it, you know, like I remember like there is a D-Day one for Call of Duty for sure. Right. I've seen that. Before. I think so. I haven't played. Yeah. It. I haven't played that, um, but yeah. That'd be cool. I actually just watched, there's a little short film about the only photographer, I wish I could remember the name of it, but the only photographer that, did he survive? 
Maybe no, he didn't survive. Mm. I don't think. Uh, but he, the only photographer whose whose footage, actual moving footage, is really survived and made it out into the ether from the Omaha is it Omaha or Utah Utah Beach, I think, landing of on D Day, and they the filmmaker goes back to the beach with a local tour guide and matches up shots and shows you where they were and where people were standing and shit in the footage mm. of again this is like actual documentary footage of like you know i can't I, I, and i that that just a, that idea i i'm sure that kind of stuff was used for that <laughs> well no i just mean like that's crazy all you know vietnam there's a ton of like that, that's where that's the first war where it really became a prolific thing where there was a ton of this but like the idea of being a fucking photographer what kind of maniac, like, agrees? I mean, I know they get a gun, too, but <laughs> that's not, you know, they're not, they're worried about, especially, like, in World War II, dude, like, the cameras, they have Bolexes, so, like, it's not like they're fucking, you know, it's it's, a, it's still a mobile camera, but I, how clunky could they, they had to have been. Like, it's oh, just, dude. there's no way for you to keep yourself alive, basically. There's no way for you to focus <laughs> on self-preservation at all. <laughs> you know, just like, what? I cannot believe that a human being ever agreed to it's do gotta it. It's got to be it like, blows. be smart, soldier. Like, yeah, you be smart. What do you say? I mean, you can't even, there's just no, I don't even, who knows? I, that's a, well, that's a whole other, what are they, what do, what do, I, I can't believe, I can't believe war happens at all. When I, like, well, watching that shit, it's just like, I just cannot believe human I can't believe any, I know, I, there's just no way. I'd be like, nope, leaving. Like, I don't care <laughs> what the consequences are. I'm not doing that. That's not, you're an idiot. This is our, we're all idiots. If you think anyone who's willing to do this, we're all idiots. Like, I'm not participating. Participating in this dangerous activity, well, I won't ski, Jay. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm with you there. Me, I'm not. That sure makes me a coward. Like, whatever. Like, I'm just life. not. Like I have. Like I don't know. I have. I, I guess the thing is, I don't know. I think 18 year old Josh might say a little exactly, different. Precisely like, right. Yeah. Exactly. Eight, when we, 18 year old kids are too. That's why it works. That's that's why that system works. <laughs> if they sent fucking 35 year olds into war, there'd be a real problem with f- f- making it work. <laughs> if, the, if the king is 18, we're all fighting. Like what? The, what they say to us? We're going the war, boys. That's, right. Yeah. That, that's exactly the answer. Yeah. You're entirely totally. Changes the entire fucking thing. If you're talking to 18 year olds, are just dumb as fuck, and are just will accept anything. <laughs> I will say, like one of the things because I don't really enjoy the idea of like really historical war. Like if if Call of Duty's main thing was kind of like recreation, recreating World War One, World War Two. I don't know why I can't say World War Three. You know, whatever. Obviously, there's not a World War Three yet, but like historical wars. I wouldn't really. Some, be there's five people on the internet that would argue with you, Jay. But well, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But let's, you know, my point being, I'm not really into like historical wars. Like I don't really want to participate in the, the actual act of that. So I like that they've expanded into much more other things, which are kind of just like pseudo. They're not real conflicts. Sure. We're just battling just this gunplay scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> things like that, like dark ops, because these guys are clearly evil in this scenario and that right. kind of thing. So I like that more than kind of just a historical. We're going to, to fight the Nazis. Like, I'm like, I'm just not, I don't really want to do that. Like, I know that happened. Put me in a fun scenario. I want to go be a part of. Throw some zombies in there. Great. Let's do that. Not yeah, it's obviously you know. It's not. I mean, I, the way I described war, hopefully, would uh, exhibit that. But yeah, my that's not like my English is entirely the historical understanding of it. You know, mm. 
because that is a perspective. That's why the, that's why again that's why the, um, a documentary like that is fascinating because you you actually get that perspective to some loose degree, you know. Like the whole thing is oh. Was it Lightbulb? Oh no, different. No, it was it was uh, it was a, that was a different thing. I was listening to the JD Salinger Stuff You Should Know podcast, and he was in World War II, and he survived. I don't know if you know that. He went to fucking war and survived uh, before he came back and wrote Catcher in the Rye and the handful of other books he wrote before he, like, mysteriously, if that's how you want to call it, retired. Uh, But he, that was, yeah, he was, he was, he was in, he was on the fucking beach as well. He was in that battle, and he had the pages, or a, a, a large part of Catcher in the Rye was written while he was, doing that he had written pages for that in his bag when he hit the beach on whichever utah or omaha was like how crazy is that he had pages for that book written in his backpack so it would not exist right in, if an alternate scenario an alternate universe yep. you know where he gets where he doesn't different. he doesn't make it yeah i mean that a little one different dude a fucking shell lands six feet to another direction yeah Damn. nuts nuts yeah, no, the yeah, war is fucking crazy, dude. That's why, again, that's the whole point. It's just like, it's just so fascinating and such a crazy psychological, I don't know, not experiment, but like thing to analyze because it's just, I don't know, the idea that hundreds of thousands of grown individuals choose to do it. <laughs> it's just, it, I just can't, I can't wrap my mind around it. And again, yes, that is entirely a 42-year-old perspective yeah. uh, <laughs> because none of that analysis is happening for any of those actual human beings and that's why it, it occurs. But Right, like take us to a bar at 20 years old. <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah. That's exactly, super close on the psychological spectrum, exactly. So, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, I, I, I there's a, I say I can't conceive of it, even though I can conceive of it. There's just a part. It's, it is the yeah. my perspective. My, I guess what it is, it's the yeah, inability to put my own self there is what it is. And that is fascinating to me. So any sort of way to like better grasp or just experience whatever, that's a fascinating concept to me. So, yeah, it's an appealing idea. <coughs> but, I just, yeah, I just don't want to. Yeah, right now it's like, it's like, really, at the end of the day, really? Do we really want to do this? Like, come on. Like, you you want to keep your stuff? I want to keep my stuff like <laughs> – Right, you yeah, know, like, <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, though. That's not none of it's worth that. No. <laughs> uh, no, uh, okay. All right. So, Call of Duty. Yeah. Call so, Duty. lots of that, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, wrapping up Starfield. Trying to trying to wrap it up. So much, so much left. And then uh, Halo Infinite. It's it's still. It feels like feature complete now, man. They they kind of have. It's funny. As much as I say I like about Call of Duty now, Halo just released like the. King of the Hill, um, what's it called? I forget what it's called, but essentially, it's a multiplayer mode now with against enemy AI, kind of like the horde coming at you, similar to like Call of Duty, where it's like, hey, all, instead of just other people, other human beings, you're just fighting against hordes of AI with other human beings, which is kind of what I always wanted to begin with, you know. So I, I kind of don't like that it's only tied to a King of the Hill mode at the at at the moment, which is, it's cool. I kind of like it. Um, I think it's called fire team. Yeah. That's the name of it. Fire team. Um, so I've been playing a lot of that too, just to switch, switch it up. And so anytime that's my thing, anytime I can play together with friends or not friends, people that I don't know, but <laughs> people on the internet and just fighting against the enemy, like I'm, I'm going to enjoy that, you know? So a lot, a lot okay, of well, is your eye better? Can we suck and start get back to Dungeons of Eternity? Or what? <laughs> 
Yes, I think we can get back to that. Think we can get back to that. <laughs> okay, good. I enjoy that also. NBR. <laughs> yeah. So, what about you, man? What have you been jamming on these days outside of Dungeons of Eternity? I, I, I haven't played a ton other than with you, and I got Amy on it recently too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I now even that was kind of it was before this because I. I figured out, and I don't know if I'd, I don't think I'd done this yet on the last episode we recorded, but I figured out how to play. It's when, when you buy the new headset, you for the new Quest, you mm-hmm. get Asgard's Wrath 2 when it drops, which that's happened on the 15th, and mm. whoa, buddy, am I fired up for that after what I'm about <laughs> to talk about, but... You all, they also gave you the PCR version. I guess it was the Rift, technically, release. Rift. Uh, yeah, which is like, it's there. It's, it's, it's Meta's PC VR yeah. thing, I think. I'm pretty it's sure that's one. what it is. Right. It's, it is a little older, right. Yeah. Uh, so they gave you the, the first Asgard's Wrath PC VR release, which can be played on your quest through the PC link thing. And I, you know, I read that when I first got it and, but like, I didn't really know what that meant. And I finally, I was just fucking around with the Oculus app on my laptop for some, some other reason. And I saw it in my like library there and I was like, Oh, it's here. (laughs) That's that's how, okay. Now I understand. And you got to download it. It's like a hundred gigabytes, like an overnight download. It's a huge fucking deal. Whoa. Um, Whoa. But so I started playing that. It's, I've been asking you when those dildos were going to put out the next Skyrim for years. The next Skyrim's been out here on the Rift. Oh, here we go. For years. It's Skyrim. It's fucking Skyrim. I'm not joking, dude. It is Skyrim. It is, it's exactly what Skyrim, like that. PC view that uh, I'm like we have Skyrim for the inv- right, right, but it's I played that whole game like and I've, I've played that game now like eight times on different fucking <laughs> systems and iterations once in VR too. Like, I don't want to play Skyrim anymore. Uh, <laughs> this is Skyrim and yeah, all its fucking all that that I want. Uh, that you know, it's like and and you know, that's what makes the, the Bethesda games have those. It's just that like quest tree is just something they they figured out the quest tree thing the key that hooks you so well and and this has all that all those like fetch quests and like tangent things but just like, like done well enough to want to do them even though they're pointless like that shit is all in here and also it has this dual it, there's two mechanics to it you have this normal first person very like just Skyrim like all those games are but there's also this god mode thing like that's the whole premise is you the story with Asgard's wrath is you. Loki, of course, Loki is involved. Enlists you as this like pupil god to and like to to he's uh what's that called rearing you what's it called training you whatever training you to to uh be able to contend with all these gods in the thing. And that's the thing funny thing about it. like I've always told you I don't give a shit about Norse but this entire this game is to, I know all of it now. I know all of the fucking Norse <laughs> mythology lore. I know I know hell, I know Tyr, I know like Thor's deal. I know fucking all of them now. I know it all because there's a codex in this and one of the fucking missions is completing the codex. So I read every single thing in the codex. It's sounds like you're playing Hades. 
Carry yeah. on. Carry uh, on. <laughs> way better than Hades. But that's the thing. If Hades would have had a codex that allowed me to, like, methodically wrap my mind around this stuff instead of just random fucking shit coming out of people's mouths while I'm walking by, I uh, would have learned this stuff maybe from Hades because I played that game enough for that to have occurred. Uh, and it maybe would have kept me uh, around, too, actually, if there could have been something like that. But So it has this god mode where you... You like walk up to this altar thing in the stages as your first person self. You put this stone, this thing, and then it takes you out. Uh, you like have this very like this omnipotent perspective above everything, and it's like. And I was so impressed because this is a little bit of an older game. I don't know how old actually offhand, but I didn't bother to look that up. But it's a few years old, so I was surprised at the complexity of this. But when you're in God mode. Everything is happening just like when you were in first person. Everything. Like, the birds are still flying. All the little things are still crawling on the ground. Every little fucking thing that you could have picked that you can or pick up or manipulate with your first person view is there and down below you. And a big part of this game's, like, development tree is converting... You're an animal god, so you convert these animals into humanoid helpers for to assist the hero that you have chosen as your like lead disciple for this particular part of the quest and there's i think maybe 12 of them and you know there's like a fucking shark there's a fucking turtle there's a fucking wolf there's a bear there's a bull and they all have each one has in addition to their own uh, fighting abilities that they will like contribute and act as a companion when you're battling they also have like a a puzzle solving tool so when you're out in the world and you can just hot swap between these things once you have them uh in your inventory basically uh to any one of the other animal companions and you need to use them in all sorts of different ways that they're additional puzzle solving mechanic to deal with all those side quests and shit that you encounter uh, and collectathons and what have you that you bump into in first person view. So that's kind of like the rough deal of it. And you're going around like the whole thing is you're going around and there's uh, each one of these gods. It starts with tier and like the hero that you play with in the first planet. Uh, what is it? Midgard is has this vendetta against Tyr because Tyr has kind of went rogue and just started fucking fucking up villages and stuff and they ruined they they he leveled her entire village and killed her family and shit. So she wants to kill Tyr. And so you're helping her do that. And you go through this whole first Midgard planet and all these different parts and you know battle your way through in first person shit whatever and then have to you like to have to hot swap out to that god mode all the time to like it's like it's 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 kind of it's very in the vein of another game I'm going to talk about Pixel Ripped where you have the dual mechanic going on where you have the game in on the screen in front of you but you also have to do something out in the real world like your mom yelling at you or something you know mm. to get to to let you keep playing because she wants you to get off the Nintendo so you're like knocking the cookie jar over or something to to so you can keep playing and distract her you know so it's it's the same kind of concept to where you have to do two things at once to some degree it's not as real time you have to sw- fully swap between them. You're not, like, operating the god and the player. But you will have to, like, swap to the god, shoot something to get an elevator to go down, swap back to the fucking player, and then be dealing with some shit as the elevator is going to where you were able to send it to in god mode. So it's it's this really cool dual mechanic that is 
takes the Skyrim idea to another cerebral level. So, like, the puzzle solving is multi-layered, you know, uh, which is, is really cool. And then, like I said, you also have the an- – each animal has their own contribution, too. So there's kind of, like, three layers to the puzzles that you have to work through cerebrally to – solve them which is also part of the allure i'm sure so that's kind of like there's all that that's all the side shit going on but the main quest is still battling shit firsthand and you know the fucking sword play is it's honestly it's it's too part of it is i'm playing the pcvr link and i dude i went i was so into this game dude that like i upgraded all my equipment i because i wasn't able to hardwire into my real life equipment Yes, my, my yes. I guess that's worth clarifying. Sorry, yeah. The my my. I have a Google router, and you can't hardwire into a Google router. You have to get a switch box. So I bought this two point five, an elevated bandwidth switch box to wire out of my router, so I could wire my computer into that. So I had to buy some new cables, this new fucking switch box thing, and then so now that the whole pur- purpose of that is to increase my Wi-Fi link. Oh my God. capabilities because I'm running a game that is not built for the quest. It's like, like I said, it's a huge game. So when I first had it, it was crashing a bunch and shit because it wasn't built for that. And I'm not alone in that. I was reading the internet. That's part of the problem with that, which that will be the great thing actually about Asgard's Wrath 2 is that's built for the quest, for the quest natively. Mm-hmm. So that will run much better, thankfully. Um, so that was very frustrating, of course. So yeah, I upgraded all my equipment and, and it does run better, but I found out my network card on my laptop is actually the bottleneck now. It's only a one gigahertz, a one gigabyte, gigabit, or whatever network card on my fucking expensive ass gaming laptop. <laughs> so I bought all that shit. I bought all that shit, and it it doesn't do what I paid for it to do, really, which would give me a two point five uh, gigabit connection. But whatever, Damn. it was still better. Uh, it was still better with the upgrade. So yeah, I did all that so to increase my play qual- my play my quality of life play experience. You know, that's how into it I was. And dude. The fucking, like the boss battles, dude. Like the boss battles, you go, you you come out of, you have to, you like get into them as, in the first person view. And then you you are like transported out to the god mode to battle these gods that are like stomping around villages, dude. And you have to, it's like this, I sent you guys the one against hell. Like you're using this bow to deal with shit. And in both cases, both the, the first two big boss battles, dude. I got down to, I'm pretty sure, one more hit and I'm dead. And like they are long, dude. They are like 10 minutes of VR battles, dude. It's like the most intense thing That's I have ever lot. done in a game. It is just, in a gaming setting, it is just, it's 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 the same level of, like we talked about, we always go back to Doom 2016. But Doom, even, even a Doom 2016 VR battle, those arena battles are still only like, you know, if they feel long minutes. as fuck, oh, yeah. yeah, but they're only a couple minutes. So these fucking battles are like ten minute deals, dude. And like, holy shit, were they? They it just felt so fucking epic. You know, I don't. Even, I can't even begin to convey like how such a good job of. And that's what it is. You're supposed to be. It's supposed to be these battles between two gods. It's supposed to feel like the most incredible epic thing that's oh. ever happened. And it fucking on it. As far as a gaming thing could feel, holy shit, did they come close? Did they achieve that? Uh, it's so fucking good. And yeah, I mean, you don't even know there. That was the thing, especially that first one. Like, I didn't even know it was coming. I didn't have, I didn't look up anything, any video. I had no idea that was happening. I'm like going through this, you know, I get to the village and like I see the god. He's like stomping around the village and he's talking some shit to me at times. Like, there's like an exchange and you know you're building towards something here. But 
I had no idea that I was going to get into the battle and then be transported out to God mode automatically and have to battle this thing as a god, you know, and like it turns him into just a normal sized player. But there's a whole village down below you in flames with people running around and screaming and the fucking the little hero that you were controlling is like down there fucking talking shit and stuff it's just so, it feels <laughs> it feels so fucking cool and good uh i just i just could not believe it dude so yeah i played the i did last that was probably early last week i've maybe this was maybe two weeks ago that i found this i played probably 80 hours i beat it on friday night i it's like I could not stop fucking playing it. It was so fucking good. And I cannot wait for the second one. It's going to be... It's got to be so good. It's got to be so fucking good. <laughs> nice. So yeah, there's those boss battles. And there's a handful of those at the end of each of the planets. There's four planets you got to work through. And there's also a different type of boss battle where you, again, go to god mode. But you're... Actually, no, you're not You're not in god mode in this case. It just kind of feels like it. But you, 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 there's like... They're like these war machine like you're basically in in both cases where you do this you're it's like a it's kind of like a king of the hill thing where you're like you like find this machine and it's above a battlefield and there's in the first case uh it's hell's army is trying to invade asgard or some shit and there's like this a door gets open and all these soldiers keep pouring in and it's kind of it's a little bit railroad and there's kind of like three tracks and there's three gates in front of you and you have what you have like some sort of like super weapon of some kind in both cases that can fire down in this battlefield and and the way you control it is they clunkify it up by you have one lever that moves your crosshairs vertically another lever that moves it horizontally and then another lever that you have to pull to actually fire. And it's hard. Right, that doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> to, yeah. It's that, and then, but it's, it's built that way intentionally to, otherwise this would be cake because you would just fucking kill everything. So like there's these three different things coming in and there's like catapults rolling in that you got to like deal with and those take multiple hits, but the soldiers are always coming and if they get to the gate, they bash the gate down. So you're like, it's again, it's one of those like multi-level, like there's multiple things going on and it's just, it makes you juggle a bunch of shit mentally and prioritize things in the moment of what you can let happen and kind of leak while you deal with a bigger problem and then go back and finish off that thing that you were kind of ignoring for a second, you know? So it's like, it's a real cool, again, kind of just real time boss battle decision tree thing that uh, the last one outside Thor's tower, dude, I was fucking cussing up a storm on Friday night. It was so fucking difficult. (laughs) I was like, and like, so yeah, so the, I I think I didn't get to it, but with the sword play stuff, it's so, it's very good, but the connect my connection wasn't always great. So it made it you get cheated sometimes basically because of some connection shit. And I was like, fuck this. I'm not losing things here. So I you can you can kind of nerf the the combat all the way down to some degree. So I did that. So most of the first person battle stuff was pretty easy for me. You can kind of just fucking you know. Uh and uh, but those, that was the thing with the, like, you, you can't nerf those battles with the machine. So like, that was the thing. Like I'd like kind of been cruising for a long time and just kind of like solving puzzles and feeling good. And I got to that last boss battle and like having it nerfed down to easy mode did not change that. I don't think. And I was, I was like, fuck, there's no way to fucking make this easy. And, I was like, and you know, by then I'd fixed my, it wasn't a, a technical issue then. It was just hard. Uh, but 
uh, yeah, dude. Oh my god, just such a good experience. I just and again, like the fact that it's just been sitting. Part, you know, part of the amazement is that it was just sitting on my hard drive. I had no idea, or not on my hard drive, but it was sitting available to me for a couple months now, and I had no idea. The oh. idea that this was just given to you for free uh, was fucking, or you know, for the cost of the headset, anyways, was kind of fucking amazing to me. Um, so yeah, I beat it on Friday night. There's like a bunch of Skyrim completionist shit I'm still doing. Shit like the some of the quests are like break these five shields on an elevator lift with one particular character's secondary weapon and like light uh, these six torches in 20 seconds. You know, and they're like hidden in different weird places. So like, I'm running around doing that dumbass shit, but it's so. timing out perfectly. <laughs> I have I have I have five days to get to the second one, so uh, it's it's a perfect place to be. I think. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, man, that fucking oh my god, so fucking good, and I yeah, so stuck for the second one. Such a cool experience. Uh, like I mentioned, I got Pixel Ripped. This one's the 1995 one, which is actually okay. the first one, as opposed to the 1978. Uh, it was eight bucks during the 40. percent There was a 40 percent off. Okay, nice. I don't know Black Friday, Cyber Black Monday, Friday, whatever the yeah. whatever the whatever the fuck it was sale. Uh, Holiday, so got, come spend come spend money with us sale. Yeah, That's precisely. Yeah, but 40 percent is even better than the referral fee. So mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's a good deal for sure. So I was like looking at the games they had. I got that and the I Expect You to Die 3, which is that escape room game. It's like a spy spy themed, kind of James Bondy themed escape room game. So I got that. I haven't even touched that yet, but I bought those two. And yeah, so 95 is actually uh, Pixel Rip 95. It's, it's just like 78, only we're dealing with 16 bitty. It's like very Super Nintendo. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah, so it's, you know, uh, a little bit of a different feel, but very much the same vibes. Like I mentioned, kind of you're dealing with those dual mechanics. There's actually, there's a, I hit one part, I just got past the night. It was fucking super cool, dude. You're like, you go to the store with your dad. You The store has those kiosks that they used to have, or they probably still have, where you can play the systems. And they have, you know, it doesn't say them on it, but it's it's basically a Super NES and a Genesis side by side. And the there's a puzzle mechanic where like you're going through the SNES one and you this kid, this dickhead kid, is talking shit to you and he he lies to you and tells you he got this thing in the game that isn't actually in the game, you know? Like an eighth an eighth crystal or something, and there's only seven actually. So you your little helper tells you to go into the Genesis and find an extra one to bring back with you. So it's this it's this mechanic where you're like you're physically playing two game systems and jumping back and forth between them That's and funny. like taking functions of the characters from one system to the other, you know. It's like a, just a really cool implementation of the, again that idea of like the two mm-hmm. The dual mechanic thing. So, yeah, really uh, really cool implementation there. And it's a nice mellowing out option when shit got too heavy in Asgard for me. Uh, so, yeah, so that DOE, like we said, and Power Wash Simulator. Still playing the shit out of that, dude. Amy's fucking still hooked. Uh, it's so, so fucking, I don't know, soothing, satisfying, something cathartic. Uh, such a good idea. Oh, we're getting done, though. Like, I think Amy's got to be almost done with the career mode. I, I got to, I'm pretty sure, like 75% last night I... Uh, washed a, a monster truck last night while she was making dinner. <laughs> Wait, remind me, you guys playing that in VR as well? Or? Yeah, yeah, okay. yep, That's right. yeah. It's very good, and they they got they have to have. I actually saw for DOE and Power Wash both. I saw they're they're both releasing holiday updates that are like Christmas shit happening in the games. That, that's that's a. I mean, I'm sure this exists for the the flat screen shit now too. But oh, I don't know, maybe not. The AAA games are such cunts about everything. But the you know they're just like. 
because it's small developers on the uh, on the quest and stuff. There's like this person. Uh, they just like, you know, they're they're willing to drop little rand. Just oh, I, they don't. Have to, I guess what it is is they don't have to go through a bunch of red tape. Probably is is really what the catalyst for this is. There's just like a handful of decision makers, and they're like, oh, let's do a fucking Christmas thing, and they'll just drop some shit in the game for the holidays, you know, because. They don't have to get it approved by 80 million people, you know. Uh, and that's a, a cool, like, I don't know, interpersonal relationship with the developer. I think that uh, is another one of the things I love about the Quest landscape right now. So, yeah, the DOE and, and PowerWash both are doing that. I saw uh, some two things. Yeah, the the only other thing I have is a new walk. This is how into Asgard's I was, dude. This, this will demonstrate it more than anything else I've said, maybe. A new... Walkabout course dropped on Thursday. I haven't even bought it yet. You haven't even bought. Wait a minute. You always buy them and download them immediately, right? Because I usually yes, you I, haven't even bought it yet. I haven't even bought it yet. So I, 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 even, I mean, I don't even know who you are. Right. Precisely. That's how. That's how bad it was. That's how bad off I am. But the <laughs> the the Quest Three is better about updating on its own. So it is probably all I have to do is probably click on it. That's probably part of the reason that I didn't think to buy it is because I don't have to deal with that shit with the three. Um, where it, you know, if you don't go in there and tell it necessarily, if you have, especially you don't know, haven't used it for a while, if you don't go in there and tell it to download and update that the new version of the game, it won't be there to buy when you go in. You have to do an update. So, but the three is great about doing that shit uh, on the back burner um, while you're not using it. So. It'll be there whenever I get to it. But I hear it's cool. It's like, I don't know. Meow, do you know what this is? Meow Wolf? Does that mean anything? Do you know what that is? Meow, meow Wolf. Meow Wolf. Not Wolf. Wolf. <laughs> Not unless it's like a Pokemon character. <laughs> right, that's what it sounds like, yeah. And honestly, my best guess is it's like a, I think it's a YouTuber maybe or something. And oh, I definitely like some, have no idea. Right. If it's right. I, I just thought maybe, like the implication I get from all their marketing that I'm half-ass paying attention to uh, because it is about something. Yeah, I also don't think I care about uh, <laughs> is that it, 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 this YouTuber might be so big that your kids knew who they were and talk about it was my, my slight guess. But no, uh, we, we don't let our, I don't let the kids like run wild on YouTube anyway. So <laughs> you know that's probably I mean. good. That's good. That's very smart. Now, uh, now I'm oh. so curious. I'm like, what are we even talking about? <laughs> yeah. I, I, like I said, you know, it's like, it seems like a very colorful, like I've read, like I was reading it, you know, of course it's fucking great. Everything I've read about the course is great. Uh, but it's, it seems like there's some mechanics. Like very, I don't know, very colorful. Colorful is the only word I can think of. It's just like a very intense. Um, I'm like looking it up now. I'm like, what is this? I have no idea. What is it? What does it look like? Yeah, You know, it's bad when you, like, you look it up and you still can't figure it out. That's how you know, A, you're old, and B, it's some shit you don't care about. <laughs> yeah. okay. no, this, this, looking at it, I'm like, yeah, this still means nothing to me. <laughs> yeah that's that <laughs> my kids that, you, mentioned this that, i don't that that is a certain age for sure it's like <laughs> i can't even it's like it's like jab when he's talking about instagram he's like i look at it and i honestly can't decipher what i'm looking at <laughs> like i don't know how to use it it's not intuitive to me i'm it's past me or i'm past it uh, however you want to look at that stage theme from Mega Man 2. Of course, y'all know what it is. Bringing us in to the first EGM. Josh, it's here. We're talking about it. We are. 
Before we even talk about this issue, though, what was your first issue of EGM? Dude, I ugh, I definitely did not have this one. And I didn't get hip to these until, like, the early 90s, so I did not have this one. But when I was looking through, I'm I was thinking, say, did like, you do the work did, and dig yeah. it up? Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm thinking... I'm thinking September 1990 was the issue, but I'm not exactly okay. sure. But that when I look at that, I'm like, this looks What's like on the, the cover. Yeah, and I and I know like it was once the font changed what we see later. And by '92, I was definitely looking at the magazine section of the gas stations and grocery stores like regularly for EGM. So I I'm thinking like September '90 was probably the jump off point for me. Okay, what yeah. was on the cover of the '90 of that issue? Oh man, I had it up. I don't. Oh, you know what? I'll tell you right now. I give you one guess. What kind? What what franchise was on the cover of that? September 1990. This is for me. Uh, for you and September 1990. I don't know what more Mega Man. Yes, absolutely <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Ding ding ding. Okay. Yes, absolutely. That's it was incredible. more Mega, Mega Man three. Yeah. Um, some, yeah, it's Mega Man three, right? It's got to be. This is two here. What? I guess that's a preview, but I mean, no, yeah, it's got to be. It's more than a year. We're talking more than a year. Yeah, it's Mega Man 3 for sure. Yeah, because, yeah, we're, Mega Man 3 is out for the Nintendo powers. It's 3. It's definitely 3. You're right. Ding, ding, ding. We're again. The Capcom Superhero Returns. Interesting. interesting. So I guess that, that begs the question then, was what came first? Your Mega Man affinity or did EGM create your Mega Man affinity? Like, did you get that? Mm. Do you think that's your first issue? Because you noticed it, because you already had a Mega Man thing, or did you get this issue and pouring over it and obsessing over it the way a, kid, a child would? <laughs> did that create the Mega Man obsession? No, actually, by this by this point, I had definitely been into Mega Man Two. You know, because I, I got Mega Man Two. I think I got Mega Man Two first, and then like found Mega Man One somehow after that. Like it just you know as as things sure. as these things happen, like rented Mega Man One. So then when Mega Man 3, when I saw Mega Man 3 on the cover, I was just like, oh, that's it. Oh, yeah. Give it to me. What there. is this magazine? So what the, are we talking about? What's, what's <laughs> yeah, the, or do you, can you recall the origin story exactly where, when, what was happening? Oh man. So I, you know, my dad, he had his own landscaping business and like we would often, you know, especially in the summertime, fall, like we... I would often have to go with him. He put him to work, like I tell you to do for oh, your with oh, your he kids. Definitely did. He definitely did. But, <laughs> but I also got pay, he also paid me, so that was that was good. Like it was, I didn't enjoy it, but I definitely. You can pay him. him you can pay him something. You can pay him yes, like, when they do the, when they do the work for us. You can pay him something. <laughs> exactly. So, but I mean, like, you know, as a part of that, I would just go in the gas stations, you know, get something to drink afterwards. It's hot, and. I see that. Like, I, I just always naturally, I'm going into the magazine section, right? You know, I'm just looking for, like, whatever's there. Like, is it cool? Is Nintendo Power going to be there? Is it going to be, like, the, the do, mad? Do the, the mad. I was just going to say, do, do the mad magazine <laughs> fold. Do the Until they started bagging them, because kids were doing this. Do the do the fold on the on the back cover. Uh, so you can see that, that you know what I'm talking about? The, the, the try that you fold the image and it creates a new one. Oh, man. Uh, I, I would always do that when I fucking would go in and check out mad magazines. Yeah, I, I would look for, like, the hip-hop magazines and stuff as well. But, yeah, like, so seeing this, it's kind of just like, well, what, what, what do we got here? You know, and just we're thumbing through it immediately, like... Like, do I have it? Do I have? Do I have three ninety five? Do I have three ninety five, Dad? You know? So, so a summertime, summertime job uh, acquisition. That that's that that is 
as good as uh, origin stories get, I suppose, for this kind of thing. What? How does this going through it? Because you you didn't mm-hmm. you, your first issue was later than this. How did this issue line up with your memory of what to expect? Oh man, the bones of it are all there. It, okay, it's all there. Okay. It, it's so funny. Like going through this, there's multiple times like that I noted like, oh man, yeah, they, they, they were immediately calling out like in 19 freaking 88, 89, like previewing 89, they're already talking about like the super Famicom coming and like the mega drive coming and like all these like things that are going to be like, make the home systems arcade quality, like for sure. And kind of all of that. And I'm like that little, like, whoa, what's happening here? You know, like we'll see it, but it's, it's, it's again, the bones of it are are all there. And even like the top games, my top games, which we'll see at the time, that were important to me are like right then and there. It's it's like my childhood in a capsule looking at this issue. So even though like later, it's kind of like the first issue I had looking at this is kind of like, did I find like this issue somewhere? Like, did I see it? Like, there, I know I didn't based on multiple things, but it's just, it's fascinating to me. Okay. Just well, just uh, I think what you're describing there is uh, editorial simpatico. You are yes, uh, it's, <laughs> they're they're speaking your language uh, from a critical perspective. Well, the uh, issue that uh, we've been uh, alluding to there is the winter 1990 uh, 91. Or wait, no, sorry, May 19, What the hell did I have that there for? I must not have changed that from the last notes. <laughs> this is the May 1989 issue of like Planet Gaming Monthly, <laughs> or or more specifically, I should say, the U.S. National Video Game Teams yes. Planet Gaming Monthly, which we will get to here in a moment uh the cover feature is Mega Man 2 and they have the exact box art for the game in its entirety and i thought that interesting that like capcom was cool with that this upstart rag just using their like ip in its entirety for their cover art you know and i know it's advertising so usually they're pretty cool with this sort of thing but again it's an upstart rag so i was like that had me i guess really what it did was it peaked i was like what's the origin of this magazine because i feel like one you have to have some kind of relationship if you don't like there's you know there's plenty of these things these books some of those uh strategy guides and stuff that didn't feel comfortable use doing this so there's some sort of legal comfort slash hurdle to be gotten past before you're going to do this for a commercial venture publication of some kind, you know? So that got me thinking like, what, how did this come to be? How was the first issue have the balls to do this? You know? So I did a deep dive on the history of this magazine and yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting, dude. So please, please tell me more about the U S national video game team. I precisely, precisely, exactly. And that is, (laughs) it's not just some marketing bullshit. That was an actual team of players that were proto esports athletes. So they were founded in July of 83 in Otumwa, Iowa, uh, I bet that would be what? a fun geography lesson if uh, we got <laughs> outside our Ohio geography box uh, for that segment. But the founder's name was Walter Day, and his cohort was Jim Riley. And they were part of what is called the Electronic Circus Tour. And for this, think kind of Nintendo World Championships, but with arcade games. And I dropped a really good article about them and kind of what they were about. Uh, some pics and, and shit in the show notes, so you can check that out if you want. But the circus would eventually fold, and uh, Walter Day was undeterred despite that uh, occurring, and he reestablished the team 
that was participating in that circus under the U.S. National Video Game Tour moniker, and they went on a bus tour across the country. They were challenging players at arcades, and they would eventually take this abroad via foreign embassies. So they were, uh, they were yeah, they were they, they were traveling. So okay. yeah, it was a real travel team. Uh, <laughs> so this would all kind of culminate in a spearheading of the first U.S. National Video Game Competition in 1985. So that's when this would kind of become like an official event, and. The 1986 team captain, his name was Don Newart. Uh, would we? This guy would. He kind of would come. He would become one of the first like video game celebrities. To if you know, if you if, to some degree, he was in a handful of Atari 7800 commercials. You might recognize him, I suppose, on that basis. <laughs> and he would actually referee a precursor event for what would become the Nintendo World Championships. So when they were, again, when they were kind of like just doing little satellite things before it became an officially organized deal, he was doing refereeing for them. So he had enough clout to warrant that uh, taking place. So they would, in 1986, that group of people, group of dudes, would, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't, I didn't see a whole team list. Maybe it wasn't all dudes, but it was probably all dudes. And they they would turn to publishing in 1986, and they started with a rag called Top Score Newsletter. And I think, I'm pretty sure we've come across this before, a long time ago. I, I want to say one of those Sega newsletters, or maybe one of the Fun Club News, one of the proto-magazines mm-hmm. mentioned this before, and I'd seen it, I'd looked it up. So I knew of this ex- existence, but it was very much a newsletter. It was uh, issue number one dropped in fall of 86 at a $2 cover price. It was a 12-page deal, mostly black and white with a little bit of red ink, so very very like that first Nintendo Fun Club News, the kind of the tricolor printing. And it actually had a lot of the, even that issue of the newsletter had a lot of the foundational parts of Nintendo Power and Sega Visions like we know them now, the player profiles, industry industry company profiles. They actually did Atari in that very first issue or very first newsletter, player scoreboards, et cetera, et cetera. So they had all, they, 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 they were already putting these kind of, again, functional building blocks of what these magazines came to be later, even in that very first newsletter. So these guys had a huge hand in what, the entire existence of this podcast and the entire existence of all these magazines. So very, very instrumental uh, individuals in this uh, circle, you know, Um, I'm not, I don't, I could, I wasn't able to find how many of those newsletters made made it to the presses, but the last one that I was able to find in the archive was October of 87. So that was, that newsletter would peter out by the end of 87 and then they would pivot and rebrand in January of 88 starting what was called Electronic Game Player under a publishing label called Sorjana Publications. And this would start off as a quarterly-ish deal that would last only four issues. It was a $2.95 US dollars, $3.95 Canadian sticker price, uh, which at least suggests, kind of like we've talked about, that they had in- international, international distribution yeah. Yeah, plans for it. So it wasn't just a little fly-by-night endeavor. And that, like I said, that would make it out of 88. They'd only do four issues of that. And it looked pretty, I mean, despite that short run, it looked pretty fucking legit. It had full color, cool original cover art, Konami NES ads right up front, a 50-page count in in the deal, you know, which kind of has me thinking maybe we should do one of those, too, for Random Rags because, like I said, it, it felt like a legit magazine, you know. Uh, and it would take us even further back and send us, like I said, you, you were we were talking about this in the thread, and you were like, you know, I mentioned that, you know, it's fucking, 
how it's taking us back to all these older games. And you're like, yeah, maybe we should have done a later one. I'm like, no, man, I love the idea of going back. We always talked about like the whole point where there's games we missed. There's games we missed. So uh, this forces us to go back and play some of those catalog games that didn't quite make it to game app status, uh, you know, when we first hit them, or first we're, we're encountering them. So, so yeah, so I think we should maybe do one of those, and that kind of sent me on another side tangent where it started, I started another one of the, another list, basically, to a sister list to our side quests yet to be quested, a random rags yet to be perused list. So we we have these random rags op- options to, to go back to. So I started that list. Uh, it's on the, the Google Drive. Link to that is in the show notes if you want to uh, keep tabs and or make suggestions um, for older mags we might not have mentioned or found yet, but... So, finally, in 1989, electron, Electronic Game Player format would be retooled and relaunched in May with the issue we speak of today. And uh, the publication shell company for that is Sendai Publications. Uh, just a slight retool of Sorjana. So, that is the history of this magazine coming to be. So, let's get back to it. And yeah, I guess seeing that Konami ads were on the inside cover of the predecessor mag, it, it kind of answered my question that sent me into that history search was these guys had the relationships already from all that bullshit yep. to be able to do this, you know, and that's why makes so much we more have... sense. Like, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So that was cool. But aside from that, this is a busy ass magazine cover. There's a lot of shit going on here. <laughs> they have a stripe uh, all along the top touting a free video game tip booklet inside. That's fun. I love pull out booklets and shit. And there are two corner banners pitching swag if you buy the mag and a green bubble right smack in the middle of the Mega Man art letting you know about a bonus FCI Mag Max cover being, or poster rather, being in the issue. Ooh, and I actually... Posters, yeah, man. Yeah, oh, I don't believe... Here's the thing. Here's the fucking shit about that, dude. I don't think the poster is in the issue. Uh, I'm pretty sure you had to... It was a mail away. So that's kind of misleading, in my mm. opinion. I don't, I don't think it's a pull-up. But I might be wrong. You never know with these scans what, <laughs> d- what didn't quite make it into the scan. And honestly, you would yeah. think, actually, that the kid did pull it out. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But like, the thing is... I would be, that thing would be on my wall. Like, you would never know. I'd scan the, I'd scan the mag, but the poster would be <laughs> on my wall. And, like, yeah, yeah. Long, thrown away at some point. Right, long ago, yeah. But the whole thing is that there's a... I guess it could be in the magazine, too. Uh, it's entirely possible. But, there, but, I don't, but I don't know why they would put that ad. SCI has an ad in here where you can mail away for that poster. So uh, why would they have that ad here and not something else hmm. if the poster was already here? That seems like wasted advertising to me, you know, but who knows? Hmm. Maybe if they were willing to contribute the poster design or whatever, they were they got the magazine ad for free, so they just repurposed something they'd used elsewhere, I guess is also a possibility. But whatever the case, the corner banners are win fifty Nintendo carts in the great game giveaway and special video game trading cards as well. And that's also not in here either, so that is kind of harks back to what we were just saying, you know, that maybe shit didn't make it into the scan. I love those, dude. We've talked about that before. Like my favorite part about kids sports illustrated was the fucking, <laughs> the cards that I had that you could tear out. And I collected so all those fucking things when I was a kid. Oh, I remember those. Yeah. Yes. I do remember at one point collecting those. Damn. Yeah. I remember. Fuck. I did. 
They had. A I wasn't hardcore board. about well, they, them, but I remember them. I mean, not you know, whatever hardcore. You know, I got. The, I had the. My mom had got me a subscription, so that was as hardcore. <laughs> it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like I was searching the newsstands for them or anything. But they came, so I cut. I, I tore them out and put them in boxes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember they had they had a green border to them. I recall. I need to look those up actually, and, and go through those. I bet those are. I bet they have some funny ass shit going on in the back and stuff. <laughs> so I should look those up. The there's also a 16 bit Super System preview, like you mentioned, and they have. They're also touting Tecmo Bowl versus quarterback and Atari's hard driving. So lots of interesting shit going on there. I like a lot of those words. They make me interested. Good choices. <laughs> And next to the title is a big maroon box explaining what the fuck the mag covers. And this reads, all about Nintendo, Sega, Atari video games, plus computer software and arcade games. So this is the whole shkabo. Dude. They're, yeah, they're and not they, leaving anything in the in the wake. <laughs> they, they listed Atari among the big three at this point. Like, how... Like, how great is that, man? I'm loving it. And in 89, I think that's still applicable. I think that is applicable. Uh, I don't think the realization had settled yet that the 7800 was so, so subpar. (laughs) (laughs) I just wasn't going to hit for it. I think I got the Uh, 7800 for my birthday when I was like, when I turned like eight or nine, too. Like, I I don't remember when it came out now, like off the top of my head. But yeah, I definitely did. I think it was pretty, I want to say it was 88, maybe. My uh, slightly educated from years of doing this podcast guest, I want to say it was '88, because uh, yeah. it was the whole deal was it it came out they they you know it was developed and then shelved and then released yeah. late, so that's the whole deal. I, I want to say it comes out later than you would guess. Uh, so also, side note, shkabo. Have you ever heard that before? No. That saying, the whole shkabo that I just said. Have you ever heard that before? The whole that's shebang. That. The whole shebang, not the whole. Shkabo. The whole shkabo is something. <laughs> It's something Mad Mike would say. It's the shit my dad would say for a thousand, Alex. Sounds and I, like I he just made ca- that up. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> or he Vocalisms, messed up the man. real saying. You never know. Things <laughs> things get things get slightly tweaked and stuff. You never know. Yeah, it meant the whole the same. Yeah, like you said, yeah. it equates to the whole shebang. The whole kitten caboodle is, yeah. is another synonym yeah. for it. I think. A dominant subtitle down below that reads, Our exclusive Nintendo preview. And this goes on to say, We review and preview all the hot new Nintendo games. POW, Operation Wolf, 1943, Ultima, Robocop, Bad Dudes, Bump and Jump, Bubble Bobble, Hydlide, Strider, Super Sprint, plus many more. And the Mega Man 2 copy reads, Special Pick Hit Preview. Yes, sir. And Pick Hit is a new... We've never seen that before. Pick Hit. Uh... I'm not even sure I'm able to like. Yeah, I don't understand. They pick it. I mean, it's a it's a hit. I get a hit. Maybe they picked it and it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we picked it as the hit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we picked it as the hit. Right. It's a hit preview. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving inside, our kickoff ad is a two banger from Tengen. This is all out, man. Yeah, we've seen this before. I think at least the box art this way. Maybe the the headline seemed a little new to me, but it's featuring Gauntlet, Pac-Man, RBI, and Tetris, which are the games you'd expect from Tengen. These are the, the, it's kind of, it's their, not kind of, it is their initial black cartridge offering, their their initial unlicensed offering. (laughs) And then we get to the TOC, and this is a one-page endeavor. We're always hyper-focused, or I maybe am, maybe you're not. I'm always (laughs) hyper-focused on these. (laughs) Uh, But it is a one-page deal, and it has, like, that font choice, dude, both like the sky blue color and the style, it comes across as very amateur-ish to me, this TOC. Oh, uh, really? But, yeah. Hmm. That criticism stated, 
at least they don't crop pages of the magazines for their margin art. They have very legit and good screenshots. Right? So I like I, it. It I, looks pretty straightforward to yeah. me. Yeah. I don't know. It looks. It, I mean, it, it, it feels, is a little hard to see. Like if it was a darker, yeah. a darker blue font, like it. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, it looks to me like. You're doing shit in Photoshop and stuff, and there's just too many fonts available to you, and you like pick something that you just <laughs> shouldn't. You know, it's just too like, oh, this is cool. No, it's not. Don't do that. <laughs> just fucking pick a normal, pick Arial or Times or something, dude. That's that sucks. <laughs> Dang, no respect, no respect, no respect. Uh, well, it's their first one. They're figure. I bet, I bet this isn't here. I bet this isn't here very long. If it even makes it issue two, I bet this isn't here very long. Yeah. I, I'm sure at least I one mean, letter comes. One letter comes in like I can't read that. Change that. <laughs> well, just like the front cover, like the front cover, it goes from this crazy busyness to like the font that I'm used to seeing that works. It's just sure. like this is what we're doing, you know. Sure. Yeah, that you. I don't know how many issues it is, but I, I did read or notice whatever that that U.S. team player part gets dropped very quickly. Oh, definitely. That totally yeah. threw me off when I saw it yeah. on an immediate tangent. Same thing. I'm yeah. just like. What is this? What is this team? <laughs> Why didn't I know about right. them? Is this a real team? Is this BS? What are we talking about here? Because right. this was never on any of the issues that I ever got. Yeah, I, it's very <laughs> short-lived, I believe. Uh, That's good I stuff, guess, though. A handful of issues. Their letter from the editor, Steve Harris, is titled Insert Coin, and I, I really like that name for uh, an editorial letter, or a letter from the editor, rather. The Shape of Things to Come is the theme slash title, and as that line suggests, this is very much a State of the Union-esque summation of where the video game industry is and where 1989 is taking it. And they tout 16-bit and handhelds, uh, appropriately being the banner items that uh, are kind of shaping what's to come. And he lets lets us, of course, know the EGM will be there for all of that and anything else that comes down the pipe, then closes out with, have fun with your games, this mag, and remember... Don't take life too seriously. And amen to that, brother. <laughs> An acclaimed full pager comes next. The Masters of the oh. Game Hot Stuff for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And there are a smattering of titles here. WrestleMania, Rambo, Airwolf, Star Wolf, Voyager, ISOH, Game Alum, Wizards and Warriors, yeah. 3D World Runner, Winter Games, Tiger Healy. And I refresh myself on some of the lesser known ones here. Rambo, Star Voyager, Ty- Tiger Healy. And uh, no fucking way on any of that. Oh. Rambo's kind of kind Tiger, of interesting. Tiger Heli's not your uh, not pure hotness to you. Not, no, not pure no, flying no. smoke no, hotness. No, bad, bad, bad chopper <laughs> shooter. You can give us the chopper deal, but uh, I, don't, I don't think I don't think that one warrants it. To be honest with you, Rambo's kind of interesting. It's like uh, you know, there's like they tried to RPG it up a little bit, so there's like oh, some no interesting way. mechanics going on there. But it's yeah, it's not. This this ad though is peak nostalgia. Like the acclaimed logo at the bottom, all like the the Hulk Hogan ripping his shirt, the Rambo ad. Like all of these though are this whole ad just takes me immediately back. Even even the letter you know from the editor just kind of reminds me how young I actually was when Nintendo started to take over. It's like, and we'll get into it more as we as we go into. But this uh, it just. Takes me so much to a specific point in time. So good, yeah. That's like that's why we went through that that one that was like my random childhood rag, that Game Player <laughs> whatever six, like horrible magazine, but like still so nostalgia plucking yeah. <laughs> just because of the yeah, it's such a rooted memory, you know. Exactly. Uh, this is definitely much better than that. But the top ten is next, and this is pretty cool because it's cross platform. Oh. 
you know, oh. which is dope. And that's the only time we get this. Even GamePro is not doing this. And I hate yes. that. that GamePro doesn't oh. do that, actually, now that I read this. And I guess maybe even uh, furthering that idea, I'm surprised they don't because you have to think GamePro is dropping the same month as this, you know. So the fact – and I, I get that, you know, that first issue of GamePro maybe doesn't have it because it's dropping the same month. But after a few issues of this – I can't believe they weren't trying to. They weren't stealing things, you know. So uh, I was surprised about that. But yeah, very cool. This cross platform, and as you'd expect with this, the NES is absolutely dominating, um, eight to two over the SMS. And the SMS appearances are Fantasy Star and uh, Shanghai. Or Fantasy Star's at two, and then Shanghai is at seven. And Shanghai is just a mahjong game, and I feel like this has got to be EGM trying to. Just make this look more balanced than nine to one, you know? Like, what do you mean mahjong game? Get the fuck out of here on the top ten! Like, what the fuck? You know, that's crazy. And I, you know, and I like mahjong, <laughs> but no fucking way is it a top ten game in 1989. Yeah. That's bananas. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Boy is represented, and th- this is the maybe the wildest part about this. Wonder Boy is represented as the number six game in its NES iteration, Adventure Island. So, like the oh. fact that like Wonder Boy is so much better on SMS. Then it is on, uh, so I like, I think that's just way fucked up that they have the worst version on this other system of the game, and it's so imbalanced, and you have mahjong instead. <laughs> like that is bananas to that me. That is you know? fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. But you know what though, man, this Blaster Master is number one. Like, all right, we gotta talk about this. Like, my childhood timeline is finally adding up. Like. My grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother had this game in her basement. My grandmother, who lived in Louisville, Kentucky, so we had to travel like four hours to see her when we did. You know, it was rare, but like once, like once or twice a year. And so, whenever we got to visit, we got to go play. It, it was an option. That was great. But then, also seeing Super Mario Brothers two at number four, my first experiences with that game were also in Kentucky at my grandmother's house, and like. At another kid's house down the street from my grandmother who had a Nintendo and had Mario Brothers 2. And, like, this was all when I was still playing Atari. Because, like, right, right, got, yeah, you know what it, I mean? Yeah. So, so it kind of makes more sense now. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. so eight, clearly when I was eight, nine years old, all this hotness was coming out. I could only play it at other people's houses. Oh, I was still rocking, you know, Double Dragon on my Atari. Because clearly Double <laughs> Dragon is here, but I didn't have that Blaster version. Master is a super tough game to, like... Oh, it's crazy. Uh, you know, to, like, uh, to not have... Uh, to have to, like, cram play experience for... Like, that game's... It's a lot to figure out and, a, like, a lot going on. And it's just a tough... You know, that's a, essentially a rental situation. Maybe even less than, you could mm-hmm. say. And, yeah, and that's a tough game to, like have to figure out in that context so that that's funny oh, yeah. that's your experience with it exactly or but it was there with it. but it, it's funny that the, those two games you know top four games were the games that i experienced first so it's just like oh yeah, yeah of course maybe there were fewer games out this time or it was like just clear that like these are the best games you can play on the nes at that time you know yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah, so the full lineup on the NES side goes Blaster Master first, like you said. Then we have 1943, ISOH alum, Super Mario 2. And then Double Dragon, Adventure Island at 6, as already mentioned. Gogol 13, Racket at Gogol 13 too, Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, right. Yeah, this yeah this list has got a lot. It's questionable. Ra- questionable. Racket Attack, a tennis <laughs> game. And I don't know, I'm not into tennis, so whatever, I'll give you a pass there. But Dr. Chaos, dude, like the last, yeah, the last three here, Google 13, Racket Attack, Dr. Chaos, are fucking insane to me. <laughs> like, I, you you uh, got to give me Super Mario Brothers 1 before you're going to give me Google 13. 
Like, yeah, for sure. Know? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> at this point in time, I don't know. come on. Yeah, man. I don't know. Whatever, man. You do you. Fucking <laughs> 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 whatever. You get to your guys' magazine. Fucking <laughs> say whatever you want to say. The top ten shares the page with the start of next wave, and this Ooh. is three and a half pages of previews of shit coming down the pipe of pure hotness, and, and I won't hear any other way. <laughs> yeah, there's, some heat, there's some heat in here. Yeah, Mega Man 2 is first up, and it is back with a vengeance, they say. And we've already game up this. It's fucking dope. They call it the special attraction for May. And I like the idea of designating, like, you know, like the cover suggested and we already kind of talked about, but I like the idea of designating one title as the absolute hotness for the month's preview. And, like, this, this is your, because, you know, this obviously comes out in reviews after they've come out, but you're getting like the way the you know the way the supply chain worked back in 1989. You're getting the magazine, then you know, then you see it in then you see it in stores. Like it allows you to make an educated decision on previews. You know yeah. that the, the, this is the one they're banking on for you. You know you don't have to wait for the review. Next time you're at Toys R Us, you can grab that shit out of the aisle and feel safe. You know if yeah. you line up with our sensibilities, and that's really cool. I think so. I like that. And that's another thing that no other magazine is doing. You know, the previews are just previews. They usually don't have, I guess, man, they may like mention, you know, but they're all, I guess that they're always like, everything's great at the preview stage, yeah. you know? Like, oh, if you like this, you'll love it. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's not like, this is the one for sure, you know? So that, that's pretty cool that it has that absoluteness to it. So there are two pages of NES joints and one of SMS jams. On the NES side, we have Tengen's Super Sprint and Vindicators, which are both arcade ports. They have SNK's Guerrilla War, which is one of a zillion commando military knockoffs from that company. Yeah, SNK's, sp- speaking of being military <laughs> obsessed, SNK, we've talked about that before. True. I, uh, yeah, ISOH Game Up alum Strider. That's the bad one I had overcome to get you to play the good one on Genesis. And then the shittiest MP- RPG on the NES, Hydlide, from the shittiest developer on the NES, oh FCI, is here. <laughs> Absolute dumpster fire. And then WrestleMania. And there's nothing yeah. new or interesting to discuss in any of that, I think. Uh, so I can just move right on if you want to. Moving on. On the SMS, we have Walter Payton Football, Lord of the Sword, Poseidon Wars 3D. And I thought Lord of the Sword might be worth a look. But it was in the library already, unfortunately. So I guess I had looked at it before. And it's one of those PC side-scrolling action syndrome deals. Like very slow and clunky side-scrolling fantasy type thing. And Poseidon Wars is one of the 3D Glasses titles. And that's interesting. But the nuclear subsim aspect of it is not interesting. So not much in the previews worth being fired up about, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, humble or not. Sad. Yep. Next up is a full pager from SCI that is offering up their proprietary phone counseling hotline. And games featured in the ad from their absolute dog shit software offerings are Magmax, Seacross, Xanak, Lunar Pool, which actually is kind of good in my opinion. Dr. Chaos, which I already mentioned from the top 10, is dog shit. And you know, actually, that's why that's there because they paid for this ad and they have the, the poster. They're like, they had to take one of the fucking their shitty games. And put it in the top ten because of the relationship they had going on advertising wise with this mag. That's absolutely the story here, dude. Uh, <laughs> that's why Doctor Chaos is deadless because Doctor Chaos is a horrible, horrible game. It's that one of my horrible. worst rental stories uh, as a child. Like duped by a different, like a strategy guide had a had a segment on it, and I like got duped into being interested by the pictures in the fucking strategy guide and. I rented it and I was just disgusted. <laughs> and uh, they also, of course, here have one that we should talk about: Ultima Exodus. And you know what? Actually, more I'm, importantly, 
I'm gonna get these motherfuckers on the phone right now. I need now. a buzzer to just buzz you like. Bzz, yeah. we're, we're gonna get we're gonna get these uh, we're gonna get these motherfuckers on the phone right now and speak to the responsible party for Ultima Exodus right now. So I'm gonna give them a call. One, two, nine, six, eight, oh, four, two, five. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. The person you are trying to reach has a voicemail box that has not been set up yet. Please try your call again later. No. Uh, they don't have their fucking voicemail box set up. They, that, that, it, that, that's why they know that the fucking heat is coming, uh, <laughs> and that's why they don't have their voicemail box set up. So that makes a lot of fucking sense. But that's a bummer. I was gonna let them know how my associate gentleman JB and I uh, feel as though they've been we've been transgressed upon, and your game development negligence has imposed undue suffering and emotional anguish. Jake, quit the podcast because of what you did to us. Gonna <laughs> no, break yeah. it down for him. It's too bad. So that could have been a lot of fun. The crippling fear we now uh, approach uh, our RPG side quest with is a direct result of the trauma we experienced from that game, and uh, we demand reparations. <laughs> I would have, I would have went on to further say the uh, <laughs> press start follows that. This is a three-page feature that I kind of struggled to pinpoint the exact theme of. Uh, it kind of feels like a mashup of two GamePro installments: cutting edge, like shit coming, like technology. Coming down the pipe and the Pro News Report, which is just random products and announcements from whomever with an eye towards new tech to some degree, yeah. uh, is, is kind of what it amounts to. So they start with B-Shoes NES and SMS controller lines, focusing on the steering wheel and flight stick peripherals in particular. And they mentioned that PC-compatible iterations are on the horizon from them as well. Uh, those controllers are mostly shitty yeah. uh, in my uh, rec- uh, recall. For sure. There's a blurb about the after that about the handheld market, and they talk about Tiger and Konami LCDs uh, as having uh, kind of like low cost one off games uh, uh, that market on lock, but that the Game Boy is coming and it's going to shake up this handheld um, landscape a, a great deal. Uh, some interesting copy uh, here reads: Will handhelds eclipse the home systems as the gaming format of choice? Will the new Nintendo cartridge system catch on like the NES? Will other third-party companies start developing carts for these next-generation games, or systems, rather? All I can, all we can say for now is we'll keep you informed. And I love it. And the answer to all that is yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, will. very much so. Next one is something I believe I recall seeing in a Nintendo Fun Club news uh, in the BJ Times before Jerry of the pod. A Cali company called Eclectic Products makes stand-up arcade cabinets they oh call Pro play arcade yeah these are i these are dope dude i will fucking oh my god i want one now i would have really <laughs> wanted one then but they they are built to house home console systems and crts in an arcade style deal and like the they have i guess it doesn't actually say whether there's like something that plugs in that they've mapped mm-hmm. in the same way as the controllers directly to the deck or if the controllers somehow or manipulated by I, I guess it's the former would be my best guess but whatever they have arcade style controls and it, it's just a full st- uh, vertical arcade cabinet deal that you just put an actual CRT and the system in and hook it all up and play it like an arcade deal and oh my god like oh yeah I would just fucking oh and like I, they probably it's probably not even good but just the concept <laughs> of it is incredible uh, and I very much would have wanted one they're offering them here and I actually don't cause I, again I think it was Nintendo Fun Club News because I didn't know that they also did SMS and Atari 7800 ones so you can get them for all three of the systems at the time and that's fucking super do, uh, dope did you order your 7800 model yet no 
<laughs> yeah, it's the the ultimate rich kid luxury item. Uh, oh my gosh, but it would have been cool as fuck to have in 1989. Can you yeah. even imagine, Jay, the lunchroom clout, lunchroom table clout you would have talking about this? Like, because you had because this is like again, no one has this. Very few people have these magazines. You know, at the lunchroom, like you were talking about a mythical fucking beast uh and all the kids would have been like no no you're, no you no. don't like you're yeah, like, yeah, fuck off. Yeah, like, you're, you're the you lioness son of a bitch rich? ever no yeah. i don't care how no. rich you are i saw, I saw the exist. car your dad drives i saw the <laughs> car yeah, your dad's beater with a heater. You don't got that, motherfucker. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> show, me. show me. You let us come over to your house and show me then. I bet right. you my lunch tomorrow. I bet you my cookie, man. I bet you my cookie and my jello. Yeah. My nutty but my nutty buddy on the table right now that you don't have one of those. <laughs> oh man. It's it's funny because like looking at this, yeah, you're right. It would have been like like this is the time when the arcades, anything arcades was like the top it was the shit it was the best like and and anything home console was not getting near that but like there were hope that like on the horizon stuff could like meet that so if you had anything anything at your house feel like i was playing an arcade yeah then you were going to be the shit so it it's funny now too because like (laughs) last christmas i had the exact flip experience to where like the kids and i like the whole family we went out and we went to a couple different places we went to um like this place up in Bellevue Square, uh, like a like a GameWorks type of place, mm-hmm. and then another place like that but different that's local here to Seattle, and they had all these amazing, you know, in person video game type experiences and stuff, and while it was cool and it was like a fun outing, it was like we have better stuff at home, like our, our, <laughs> like, our like we yeah. we don't have like the big like lift you up and move you around all that stuff, like we don't have that clearly. But, like, outside of that, I'm like, we got, like, VR. We got, like, the absolute best, like, video Xbox. Like, we can play quality games. So, it's, like, a completely different flip the world than when we were a kid, you know? For sure. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. No, yeah. Home stuff is far surpassed anything you're going to find out. In the... Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's entirely like, I love, like, I mentioned, you know, Amy's and I went to those conventions. I love going to, like, the arcade bars and stuff. But it is very much just a novelty. Yeah. passing experience it is not there's no, it's not like back th- back at this time you were settling at home and going out to do that as like a destination with full enthusiasm of a better experience like now I'm going it, like yeah we're going yeah, yeah yeah this is gonna be next level shit and you know now yeah it is the polar opposite now you're just like kind of settling with this nostalgia minded and whatever yeah. we're like, going to be social and game yeah. and game while we're being social like it right. is not we're not going to like for the experience of the yeah. game. The game is supplementary as opposed to the focal point, I guess, maybe yeah. is the best way to summate that. I mean, you never know. I mean, unless I really am just, like, hearkening for some some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle multiplayer. And I, sure, but again, but even, but, it, but that is also, it's still, it's still a nostalgia. You're plucking, it's not. True. You're not yeah, going, you're, you're not going because it's. Because I'm shocked at, like, this. Right, blown away by in this game. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. True. Thought of something while we were talking there. I mentioned that Nutty Buddy. Jay, top three. Lunchbox snacks. Circa oh. 1989. Go. Man, I got to have the Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie. That's my number one, too. That's number oh, one as well, dude. That's, that's so my good. number one. Yeah. Oh. We didn't... Well, we did have them eventually, but... Damn. It was that such was a not, rarity, man. Such uh, a rarity. Yeah. That's, but my buddy, AGB, may he rest in peace now. It's crazy that he died recently. But the fucking... Uh, his dude... We... 
he always had like an unlimited <laughs> supply of oatmeal cream pies at his house. And we, you know, it's where, we always, we, oh. it's where we used to fucking do bong ribs and shit. And we ate I, his parents. I can't even imagine how many oatmeal cream pies his parents bought our group of friends. It must have just be an insane number. <laughs> <laughs> I just like oatmeal cream pies. We'll just get a couple more. He boxes. had this drawer in his kid. They were kept in this drawer. I can remember the drawer. I can remember the whole vibe of going and taking one of those oatmeal cream pies. That's uh, awesome. What a good memory. So yeah, that would be my number one too. So that's great. Okay. Go on. Oh man. Two, number like, two and three. It's funny thinking about that now. Like because the oatmeal cream pie was far and away number one, I'm like, number two. Oh, okay. Number two would have to also be the little Debbie like like debatable whether two or three, but like definitely next would be the little Christmas tree cakes. Like the little Okay. You know what I Those mean? Those were good, yeah. I like they weren't they weren't always Christmas tree shaped. That was only like during holidays. Outside of that, I forget what they were. But they had that, they had like a cream layer, yeah. Because yeah. 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 like the white the white yellow cake one was like a rarity. Like a, the chocolate was always there, but to get that one was like, oh, this is ooh, this is nice. That's funny. The okay, so number three. That's number two. Number three. Oh, uh, and number three would have to be, man. I think it is it Nutty Buddy. No, it's like I forgot what it was. It's like the. Like I don't a, know a chocolate wafer thing, but they're like a nutty buddy, but way better. The the, yeah. the, the, pe- the peanut butter was richer. I know what you're talking about. That's more, yeah, that's my that's that my thing. that's my number two. That well, thing might actually. be two. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. like as I'm thinking about, like yeah, that thing is they're two, way actually. way richer peanut butter, and it was like a, a instead like nutty buddy was kind of like a, a very thin layer of chocolate. Yeah. On it was definitely not a, a, a wafer deal. Yeah, not yeah. yeah, not as good at all. Nutty and nutty buddies wouldn't even be my list actually. Yeah, uh, but we had nutty buddies all the time, and I but remember that like, wafer thing. Yeah, for. man, it was so. But no, good. this well, the, I, I I don't even know they. I don't even know if I want to say they were. It was wafery. Like there, I guess it was some sort of crunchy something. I guess that's wafer to some degree. But yeah, it was like a yeah, a much thicker chocolate, a much richer peanut butter layer on top of something mm-hmm. like not really crunchy, but. Almost crunchy, but, but yeah. <laughs> like, well, like, what is that? Yeah, thing? I don't know what those ones are called, but those were that would be my number two, yeah. too. Whatever the hell those were. And then my number three would be ho hos and and fucking okay. peel that chocolate okay. off and then eat just the cake afterwards. Woo, nice. Woo. Oh, he's done. How much of the? Because the end chocolate on a ho ho is like you know it's on it's like in the rolled up end, so it was, it was harder to get all of it off. And that, in my anal retentive, even as a child, ass, it would bug me. I would try to get as much of it off as possible. Uh, and it would always, like, the middle bite would always be so much more satisfying because it didn't have any chocolate on it, you know? Because, uh, yeah, that fucking, that cream and fucking Man. cake part of it. Woo! Woo! Buddy. I got to go to the little Debbie shop. <laughs> I see. I go, you know, they, all that shit's still for sale, dude. All of it. The host, the ho-ho, the hostess and the little Debbie snacks are all still in the fucking. You know what I, the you know. funny thing is? If I did that, though, it would be just me eating those. Because, like, I've, I've done it before where, like, I'll have some, like, super terrible for you nostalgia food. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. And my kids, who are far more bougie and used to, like, healthy foods, I'm just like. Yeah. This is so. This is too sweet, Daddy. Yeah. Oh, this, this is so sticky, and I'm da- oh. Daddy. This is so processed. <laughs> and I'm just looking at him like, and yeah, I'm that's a fucking point. Exactly. That's why we're eating it. <laughs> exactly. You're supposed to like it, man. It's delicious, but uh. <laughs> no, yeah, I can't believe I don't have diabetes or obesity problems or something. The uh, there was no dietary regulation at all, and we were we ate 
crazy shit nonstop at uh, fucking all. Pro- there wasn't anything we ate that wasn't processed other than the dinners we got. At least we uh, stayed but, super active and burned all the stuff off. Regularly. I guess we kind of yeah. were active. I mean, I, I'm not as active as I probably could or should have been. We we're definitely playing a lot of video games. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, since then, so it's all yeah. good. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> okay, well, the last two boxes deal in the Narc Arcade Cabinet and on this fucking Next Wave thing. Um, or not Next Wave. What the fuck's it called? Uh, yeah, whatever the section is. Okay, whatever. Yeah, next wave. Uh, Narc arcade cabinet and porting PC games to the NES, and the highlight developers are Cinemaware and Activision for that. Activision, a, a very different Activision than Activision, right? <laughs> a two banger from Jalico for Robo Warrior on the NES comes now, and this is a fucking video game mag ad. Uh, Lurk disciples, uh, this is a great ad. <laughs> it's like a, it's a movie poster, hundred percent. It's a, a, like a hero shot. From below and looking up at it uh, of a humanoid robot holding a huge laser rifle. And the game title is up above it. Some random... I love the... Like, the shit around him or it is like... this. It looks like random uh, Microsoft Windows clip art. It's like like (laughs) a couple Saturn-like planets and a skull. Like, they have... I don't know. There's nothing about that that seems to be in line. Yeah. Well, it seems to be in line with... The robot, <laughs> you know. I mean, I guess planet's kind of spacey, but like with the skull, what's the skull? Uh, and they also just very cheesy looking. Um, but everything else about it is very dope. And it says Jalico, real small up top, and a box in the lower right reads action, challenge, depth. And that's it. Like, no explanation of what the game is. <laughs> no, nothing. Just go buy it, kids. Like, don't ask me any fucking questions. Just go buy the game, you know. Uh, and I, I like that uh, brash brevity. They couch that a little on the second page, though. It's containing a litany of screenshots and some pitch copy that winds up with the tantalizing line, Are you ready for the action? And the headline is also compelling. Uh, it says, RoboWarrior, period, TM. Uh, one man battalion with a human heart and a computer brain. And interestingly, this is a bolded statement near the legalese here that reads, and this is the only time this exists in the magazine, Jay. I don't know if you noticed this. The U.S. national video game team has endorsed this product in recognition of its superior play. And right. That, yeah. Yeah, the the dudes run this mag flying their, uh, or rather flying their flag here. Uh, that's something. So, so what do you think about that? Based on the fact that I'm assuming you played this, I did play. This. I played it, and I'm like, I'm I'm very skeptical of their endorsement now. And they're, uh, they're yeah, it's players. like, yeah, I like I'd I wanted we, to like it. I yeah, we'd certainly like we'd seen this before for sure. Yeah, definitely did. I try not to rely on that because I knew we were seeing all this. So I was like, let me just right. try it again. Precisely, yeah. I, I, same vibe for me. <laughs> and yeah, I don't recall being piqued by it when I diddled with it. But with that, yeah, with that endorsement, I was like, well, you know, let's check it out. And I don't know, I got it going and I don't, I didn't remember the opening cinematic at all. It's like an experimental, like, yeah, that was wild. It was like an experimental uh, film school thesis film. It's like just ambiguous, anxious imagery. You know, it's like a, a view of maybe Earth, some sort of, you know, Earth type planet from space. From space, you can see, it's actually the image behind me right now. It goes from green to yellow to orange to red. It's like this slideshow of like Im- impending doom colors. And then it cuts to a very serene nature scene. A grassy field with trees and blue skies, fluffy clouds, a bubbling brook, grass blowing in the wind. A bird flies up out of the grass and then away in the sky. And when the bird flies away, 
everything turns to like a dark red too. So it's like, again, suggesting some sort of global calamity event of some kind, climate or nuclear, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, just very, it's very, I don't know. I didn't understand what I, it did not convey anything other than like bad, you know, which again, is just very film schooly to me. But when the actual game starts up, my immediate impression was I'd seen this before and had a looming fear. It was not a good experience when I saw that first screen. But then, Jay, the overworld theme fires up, and it is a fucking banger. And that put me a little at ease. Uh, I'd like uh, to at least be bobbing me head. <laughs> if, uh, if, I, if I'm going to weather a tumultuous experience. So I was a little, I put it easy with that. And yeah, I mean, dude, it's like a, you're like, it's a top-down deal. You're controlling a robot. Kind of reminded me of Guardian Legend, which was a game I enjoyed very much. And you have a gun, you get some bombs with a bunch of other supplies on the starting screen. And that makes you, it's kind of like, it feels like a, like a military supply drop. There's like some shit there you got to pick up. And then you go into the next screen. And this, did you, so you did get into it. Did you play it a little? Yeah, I played a little. I, I played a little. I wanted to like it. I would have to spend more time and like really getting into it. It like, is. It's it's almost again. That's kind of the Guardian Legend component of it. Is is like it is it is a advent. It's almost like a Link type game, you know, or not a Link. Sorry, a Legend of Zelda type game where you have this yeah. huge overworld that you have to deal with. But here's the thing that makes me think it might be interesting, dude. It's basically Bomberman. Is the like the the gameplay loop is Bomberman? Did you even like? Did you even get I through that think first of it screen? Like, like. Did you get through that first screen? I don't think so. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, so it's like the whole deal is you're using the bombs you picked up to blow up these paths through. Oh, I mean, I did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I take that back. Thinking back through it, yeah, I definitely did get through it. Yeah, I got through the first screen. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I thought that was kind of kind of a cool mashup of like that top-down adventure. I got through a couple screens actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Same thing. I got the. Where the fuck was it? I got to like, yeah, you know, like three or four screens. But again, that, that's what I mean. I feel like I blew myself after... up. I blew myself up as I. <laughs> after fumbling through it and getting through a few screens, I was like, okay, I moved on. But then thought I would have to like sit down, read an actual manual. Yeah, for sure. And you, understand you definitely want to know like, all the stuff. What yeah. like, what am I missing here that I'm just kind of just passing passing up? Yeah, you know? yeah. But so, the, the, like it's because that, that's always been my problem with Bomberman. It's like I like the like. I've always been intrigued by Bomberman because the idea of like, yeah, you set the bomb and you have to run away out of its reach and that having multiple applications as almost like a puzzle tool, a puzzle solving tool mm-hmm. uh, is interesting to me. You know, it's it's like, uh, it's very, it's kind of Lolo-y also, you know. Yeah, I was thinking uh, the same thing. Uh, which we, of course, you know, both have talked about loving. So I like that a lot. Uh But in Bomberman, it's just too simplistic. Like there's no story. Yeah. You're just, it's just those very and the graphics on the original Bomberman NES are horrific. So like yeah. it, it's just very basic. So this basically takes the same thing and layers some like effort on top of it, and to, like that to me could be cool. Uh, I didn't play enough to know if it lasts, but the initial impressions were like I would talk about playing this, you know. So uh, yeah, you have to like deal with enemies and shit. Like there's flying ones, like it, it, there's flying ones that like obviously can fly over the stuff, but yeah. then you're also blowing holes through things. Where you can let out enemies on the ground too. So yeah, there's just a lot to think about uh, on the puzzle solving front, I think, and that's uh, kind of interesting. 
Um, it made me actually did the effort. I was so like curious whether I was just like enthusiastic about doing a random rags and trying to be open minded to older games, you know, which is a problem maybe that you could have going back to these old mags is you have to kind of like wash off the uh, technology advancement layers that we've built up going through the, the timeline and chronological order, you know, to to look at these the right way, I think. So I went and looked on Moby Games for what it was scored to see if, like, yeah. that was happening. It's got a 6.3 out of 10, which that kind of backs up my temperature on it, I think. Uh, and it is Jalico. Jalico is not a bullshit developer. They have, you know, they're not Konami or Capcom at this time, but they're not FCI. <laughs> but you a know. 63 is also a D. Not, well, but a 10 out of 10. I mean, it's not, you know, I don't know. I mean, Moby Game, this is like, I know, that's not it, it, it's, it's, it's like Moby Game, that out of 10, it's like out of thousands of games. Like, they, that's like a ranking out of like every game ever, like where it falls. Oh. Yeah, it's not just like an arbitrary. Oh, uh, I see. I see. What you're yeah. or it might be, it might actually be only per system, but it is, it is like an ordered. Gotcha. version okay. of uh, where it falls in the whole spectrum of games available for the system. So, um, yeah, not shit for sure. So that was interesting to, to come across that. And then we have Interface, Letters to the Editor, their mail section next. And Billy Thomas in Sacktown is writing in livid about, and demanding answers about his favorite arcade game, 720 Degrees, not being in stock with, in quotations, the guy at my local store. And he says uh, he's seen ads for it, and he's been reading maglurbs about it. What the fuck, man? Where is it? And this allows the editors to go into a very teaching moment where they explain the famous chip shortage of the era being the culprit for this. And they do mention it's expected to change soon, but it does mean your favorite games will be immediate or might not be immediately available. So that was a, a fun inroad mm. to um, something we've talked about all too many times. And the other one for me was they closed it out with the tried and true mail section move, a letter jerking them off uh, that acts as social validation for others that uh, people are indeed subscribing to this publication. The letter closes out with, please find my subscription check inside. And I don't know if you thought about what that means, Jay, but that means he's talking about an envelope that a letter arrived in, uh, in case, you know, listener, you might not know that written correspondence used to be physically sent on papyrus, wrapped in more papyrus that was folded <laughs> and glued, and you had to open all that, and you could enclose things. You could put other things in there with it. Physical <laughs> objects or pieces of paper, check perhaps. Oh, all yeah. these things could happen uh, in 1989 that uh, is not even a vaguely feasible possibility in 2023. <laughs> it's, it's so funny now because there are certain things that I won't do now or haven't done now because it requires mailing things. And I'm like... Really, you want me to like put like mail a check? That's what that's what this requires. <laughs> Not happening. Month, months I mean, later, I'm still checks. like, do you, that's, that's what do that you requires. Have checks, Jay? Do you have checks? I'm sure I have a book. Start a book that I was given a when start we have the, the account. Because back in the day, we used to have to mail. We even oh, okay for the, for the longest time. For the longest time, the only thing we used checks for was rent and stuff. And like we obviously don't you do that anymore. So it's kind of right. like. I know there's a checkbook, I think, unless it's empty. So, dude, <laughs> I started. This is funny, funny little uh, co-history moment here that that brings my mind to. I've had the same Chase personal checking account since I moved to New York. I opened my checking account that I have to this day when I was crashing on Courtney's couch 
<laughs> that first two weeks I lived in That's New York. So I went to the Washington Heights Chase Bank nearest to her her apartment to open That's my checking account. That's so funny. That I have. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, needless to say, I don't have whatever they gave me, starting documentation-wise, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anymore. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I have – let me actually show you something. I have this book that – well, I don't even have it anymore anymore. This, so this book I have right here, you can't see it on camera, but it's, oh, I just, it's, it's like my desk. The leather book. It's, yeah, it's – and this, this probably was the book they gave me, actually. Now that I think about it, I don't know where else I would have gotten this. With the starter checks from them, probably – but this is where I keep all my the credit cards that I wouldn't bother to carry with me, mm, you know, nice. uh, of mine, and then all like random like fucking my COVID nineteen vaccination cards in here, the uh, fucking insurance cards, shit that I would again wouldn't carry around, and our you know just have like a my digital wallet uh, can handle. Nice. So uh, yeah, but I'm pretty sure that would have been what the, the that book what the starter <laughs> starter book would have been in. Funny Checks. Enough. Wow. Yeah. Wild. That's it for letters, though. There's not a lot there. I don't know if you got anything. Nah. Only it was it was just interesting again to note that they even had letters to them. You know, like part <laughs> right, of that yeah. whole like how right. how do you have letters right now? You know, right. but okay, yeah. I guess it's that four that four issue deal. deal. Yeah, that, that yeah. preceded this. They then dedicate a full page to a contest they are running in the issue, and dude, this is a good contest. This is maybe the best contest. Excuse me, that we've seen to date. Uh, they are calling this the Great Game Giveaway, and I do not think this moniker is hyperbolic. I think this is an appropriate way to call to term this. They describe it as, here's your chance to win an entire library of over 50 great new games for your NES. You'll get a selection of the hottest carts, including the latest hits and all-time classics. And we're even going to throw in some fantastic new titles that aren't even available in stores. And you just got to send in a card in the back of the mag with your deets and your favorite NES game. And that's fucking it, dude. And you know there's going to be some dog shit in 50 games. But especially in 1989, May of 1989, it would be you would be real hard but pressed. But even if it's 50-50. Right. Like, you got 25 games. Like, whoa, Plus, I mean, play. dude, there's not that many games in 1989 for the NES. You know, I mean, it's been out for a, a, couple, a few years, but... We're no like all the games, like at yeah, this point or something. right, yeah. The the gluttony of NES fodder started after this, so you know, there's, I don't know, that'd be a real interesting thing to know, I guess, to know the ex- exact timestamp of, uh, or this timestamp's exact release number. But I, I would guess in the low triple digits, low hundreds, you know, uh, maximum. So there's just got to be some heat there. There's just got to be, you know, and mm-hmm. I, 50 either way. Like, holy shit, dude. Can you even imagine? Like, here's what I thought of with it. You win this, assuming someone did win it and they didn't fuck you like every one of these other contests sometimes you read about did, or so many of them did. I shouldn't say all of them. But can you imagine a box? Like, think about that. Opening a box. My head would 50, explode. Explode. They would still be in the boxes probably. Like, <sighs> holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit! Like I'll have I would grab the Polaroid and have mom take me take like five pictures of me <laughs> in the box to memorialize this right, event. Right. This event, right? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! Uh, uh, oh like my even God. even seeing right now, like the Mario Two box or the Mario Three, and I know Mario Three is a little later, but like a Mario Two box, like oh, you know, unbelievable, just, unbelievable. Ah! unbelievable. Uh, yeah, just oh god, that's it's inconceivable. It's inconceivable. I can like think of like. I don't know. Weirdly, the the closest memory I have of this is that I've talked about them on here before. I think I had these encyclopedias, some sort of – it was like a Britannica for children type deal. And I remember like 
it was one of those uh, like time life type things where you like you get one a month. Oh you yeah. Can subscribe and it'll just pay for one at a time, basically, yeah. you know. And I remember my mom got those for me and I got the first couple that way, and then she must have just splurged or been able to splurge for the whole nice. for the rest of the set. So I remember getting like the first two or three monthly and like, you know, you you get them, you pour over them one by one and like you wait for the next one with all this anticipation. And then one day she just brings a whole box of like twenty three of them or something, you know. Oh. And I was just like, Oh my it's overload. Like, oh my how am I gonna deal with all this <laughs> new stuff? <laughs> you know? Uh, so that's the closest emotional thing I can get to that. Uh, and uh, that's obviously not nearly as cool as fifty NES games. I'm so, just like, yeah. oh my gosh, like what what do I I gotta create a system Mom! like Mom! like I gotta I gotta Mom! rank them. Mom, clear my schedule. <laughs> how do I do this? Like, like obviously, I gotta go. I gotta start with Mario first. Like, how do I do this? Like, go alphabetical? Like, what do I even do? Like, right, yeah. very, very cool. Next, we have at the arcades, and they are covering hard driving from Atari here. And it's so funny that we just talked about the Genesis iteration of that and had this yeah. long conversation about this. And it just so happens to be across the staples from a full pager ad for the sit down cabinet, which is what we were talking about. You know, uh, so you know. Um, that's cool that we get to see exactly what it looks like. Looking at this, I, you know, we, we talked about when we were doing the, the Genesis version, whether maybe we'd seen the cabinet, we weren't sure. Yeah, yeah. Like I looked at this and I was like, nope, never seen that before. <laughs> so I've never seen it in the wild. So that was pretty cool to finally get the lay eyes on it. And the coolest thing I read in here was that the game has what's called challenge lap. And this is fucking awesome for the time, I think. But it's a mode where you race against a saved lap on the ROM board that mirrors the best run that's oh, ever yeah. been recorded on the cabinet by oh, another yeah. actual player. And you see the car driving the path they were playing at all times while you're playing, you know, racing against it. And that is just really fucking cool feature for 1989 uh, ever, but 1989 especially, I think. Oh, yeah. So that was Give me the cool. quarters, Mom. Give me yep. the quarters, please. Gotta, gotta beat this prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very fucking cool uh, functionality to have on a cabinet in 1989. Uh, yeah, I'll have my on that basis. Actually, I'll have my eyes peeled for this moving forward. If I ever see one of these cabinets ever out in the wild, I will sit down and see if I can. I mean, I, you, no way you'll beat it. Obviously, probably. <laughs> right. in, in, well, I don't know because they could probably get turned off, and it's probably the stock one on it. I don't know. Time. I've seen versions of that later. Yeah, and and like the shit holds up. Current iterate current iterations now, like it. Okay. And it's tough. Like clearly, I can't beat it because I don't sit there racing a lot. But you see, like Ghost Driver, and it's just gone. I'm like, oh yeah, that. Yeah, that would make sense to take that, that, that route, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yep. A one-page feature titled Gaming Gossip is next, written by pen name Quarterman, and that's with two N's. He kicks off by updating us on the pending $30 million antitrust lawsuit Tension has lobbied against Nintendo as they simultaneously release their own line of unlicensed games. Stick it to the man, Atari! And Ultima Exodus gets a shout-out, too. FCI's glorious ISOH SideQuest alum is touted as being the only, or being only the third game on the NES after the two Zelda games to utilize a battery backup saving system. And I don't know... They did, they did one thing right, maybe. Can you imagine? Can you, here's the thing, dude. The flip side of that is it could have had a password. Can you imagine having an inner password to play that game? <laughs> God, like one of those horrible early NES passwords would have been. That's the yeah. only. That's the only KQ thing they could. Seven ten right? four five dash <laughs> zero four, five, dash. zero or lowercase o. I don't know. Uh, oh <laughs> exclamation or one. Is that I don't a know. one or an L? <laughs> yeah, that is literally the only thing they could have done to make that game worse. <laughs> so, Just, uh. kudos to them for not going that far with the misery. I guess. 
I mean, I love that they were on top of the Tension Lawsuit talk, man. Like, see, they were on top of the current goings on. So it's stuff like magazines like this that I'm like, oh, so this is what's happening right now? Oh, this is great. I just can't imagine carrying at age fucking 10. It doesn't sound impossible. Or age 8 in in 1989. Well, not 1989. But yeah, like two years late. When I'm 12, I'm like, oh, oh, this is what we're doing? Okay. Mm -hmm. A hefty third paragraph is all about 16-bit systems, and you already kind of mentioned this being cool, but yeah, they, it naturally mentions the Mega Drive having a strong start in Japan in late 88, and then the Super Famicom is targeting a September 89 release over in Japan. And then they turn to something called the Slipstream, and this is a, an example, I guess, of even further of what you're saying, and like, again, all the Game Pro shit we read, I've never seen these words a single time, so they have some ultra insider, low-key niche knowledge going on here but it's called the slipstream and it's from a british company or rather a british joystick manufacturer called konix and yeah i'd never heard of this man uh i assume you had neither yeah no i did not yeah slipstream. so it's it was canceled and i mean that's why but the the plan with this was for it to have a better processor than the mega drive and it was going to come with a 3.5 inch disc drive and a hydraulic chair and the base price was expected to be 250 bucks at a fall 89 release. And the uh, company, the U.S. company that was going to distribute it was Epix, which handled all their marketing distro for their joysticks in the U.S. And uh, Quarterman is actually talking all kinds of shit about the system. And he has zero faith in it, you know. Right. So again, like, <laughs> yeah, scathing, scathing. The tone here. Yeah, yeah, scathing tone. And that is a, such a departure from... Game Pro, which again, you know, they, there's there's nothing they roast that hard at Game Pro, you know. So that's uh, very cool, yeah, that they're being that I don't know brutally mm-hmm. honest. But yeah, the the quote I wrote down from it is judging the quality of many of these computer developers' arcade style titles, I'd say the Slipstream has a very ho hum future. Which so he's he's talking shit about a whole bunch of shit there. <laughs> like that's not like, just I've seen, uh, I've seen your peripherals is garbage. Like, yeah. All garbage, yeah. But, dude, I will say this. A 3.5-inch disc drive? Some fucking discs? Discets. Give me some discets. (laughs) I would have put some discets in my hand. I might have been into that. (laughs) And the hydraulic chair, too, dude. Like, a fucking, you know. I mean, it's hyper-rich kid stuff, for sure. But But a hydraulic chair? Like, even, like, the inkling to release that as part of, like, your launch marketing you know is pretty fucking wild like that's going hardcore yeah. towards the you can play arcade games at home type deal you know right so it's a good oh idea gosh. but obviously not executable at limited the market right limited market at the time lastly he tells us patel has officially stated they will not be bringing the japanese pc engine game system stateside and i think this just means they must have been in talks to do u.s distro for nec like i could find no record of nec being affiliated with mattel you know in yeah. um, any of my poking around so i guess that's what that means he goes on to say mattel is planning on releasing a new type of game peripheral that instead of using joysticks and pads have a glove in the works that causes a on-screen characters to react according to how the glove is manipulated but we're not going to talk about that jay that, that doesn't get spoken about here on this podcast <laughs> yeah so quarter, yeah yeah quarter man is the fucking scoop man but uh, but someone needs to tell homeboy yeah we don't talk about that on the imperial schools of our podcast I, I like your insights but keep that off like, the table sh- yeah. <laughs>
That is the Fist of the North Star, Stage 7, Kinshiro, uh, Falco theme. That's how Jay said I should say it. Don't give me any <laughs> xenophobic shit on the internet. That's all. That's how Jay, Jay pronounced it for me. <laughs> it's a great song. Great, yeah. great track for the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great track. Not a great game. Yeah. We'll get to exactly. that momentarily. <laughs> Preview 89 gets us rolling in the meat of our EGM burger here. And get your joysticks ready if you thought 1988 was a good year for video games. Wait until you see what 1989 has in store for Nintendo, Sega, Coin-Op, and computer game enthusiasts. And it cl- closes out with, any way you look at it, 1989 is going to be a blast. Dude, it is views like this that helped me view games through their developers and publishers. You know? Like, th- th- this exact type of view. Being able to tell you, show you data east. This is what oh yeah, I see Here's what, what you mean. Yeah, bringing. yeah, Here's yeah. So yeah, they Here's right, what yeah. Bringing. yeah, so they they that's a that's a that's a fantastic. Uh, I don't know. You gotta be. You really gotta be listening to the podcast to pick up on the significance of that. But yeah, that's that's <laughs> an important. Yeah, no other magazine does this, and this meant nothing to me as a job. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's very interesting. That but to that, me, I'm, I'm seeing the acclaimed logo, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. That, yeah, that, that's okay, it. Those are yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes a ton of sense uh, as the root for you having that fucking understanding. That's wild. I uh, did not think of that. So the key art is a collage of screenshots that has both some real heat and some real questionable choices. In like It's just a, like I said, a collage of screenshots. And they have the Rampages here, Mega Man 2, 1943. That's all hot, hot, hot. Mm-hmm. But they also have Dance Aerobics and Othello, which mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> so... Um, Kind of fired up, like they tell yeah. us to be, based on this key art here. <laughs> the next six pages then proceed to yes, feature mostly nothing but NES games, despite that opening blurb suggesting we'd hear about Sega, Coin-Op, PC titles. Uh, it is broken up by publisher, as you mentioned. They offer up uh, a take on the company as a whole, which is cool, too. I really like that. Uh, yeah. They, they offer a, like kind of a summation of how the company is doing, which, again, that uh, yeah, that even further plays into what you're saying, that that could be why you took note of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But then they go through a, a listing off of titles one by one and discussing those titles individually. So this is a very, yeah, very cool uh, preview, a way to do previews, I think. So I thought it'd be fun for us to do, to read the company blurbs as we go through and then talk about the games. The first company we get is Data East USA. One of the leading producers of Nintendo carts and entertainment software, Data East USA has quickly become one of the most prolific producers of electronic entertainment. 1988 brought forth a wide array of games from Data East, including several pieces inspired by arcade hits as well as original entries like Cobra Command. With a firm hand on the pulse of today's video game player, Data East is poised to enter 1989 with one of the strongest computer and video game lineups. Uh, And that's, yeah, I kind of would realize uh, once we got going here that these aren't all... NES games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like, exactly. I thought they, I thought yeah. they were, but uh, I, w- I would realize that they they have it all mixed up here, and that's interesting of itself too. That again, it kind of it's a philosophical position mm-hmm. that it's a gaming it's, an, it's a gaming ecosystem inclusive of all components, as opposed to this ultra segmented view here's the I nintendo th- section here's right the Genesis yeah, yeah. Section. which i think so game pro does for sure and uh obviously the proprietary mags do so yeah this is uh, again a very very different look at the industry that is, is cool yeah i like it too because even even looking at this i'm like at the time of course heavy barrel bad dudes rampage super hang on like they're great if you've got the genesis great super hang on like you can eventually play it. like obviously that's a little later but like you can play it for that rampage i still got my atari 
I'm playing Rampage for the Atari at the time, so I'm happy <laughs> to see that there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Just to get an understanding for sure, yeah. So, yeah, so we have you mentioned Bad News, Heavy Barrel, Rampage, Super Hang On, also RoboCop is here. Uh, those are yeah. the games. And the Bad Dudes blurb is sure to mention its plot, which is one or two players control Blade and Striker as they work against the Dragon Ninja Gang who have captured the president. And, yeah, you can't, you can't, if you're going to talk about the Bad Dudes, you got to talk about that. Uh, captured the president screen for sure. So uh, uh, kudos to them for that. Not missing that opportunity. And yeah, the the super hang on is is the PC Mac port. Uh, Interesting. And, and I didn't like that's how. It, yeah, I, I realize that's uh, I don't know that I that, that's not a game I would have guessed. I I guess I would have guessed <laughs> would be on PC because it's right. like a high speed racing game, you know. Uh, so that was kind of surprising for me to see. So next we get a claim. Jay, you're fired up about a claim. Talk to us about yeah. Acclaim. Acclaim Entertainment has enjoyed astronomical growth and success since their successful public offering announced during the 88 Summer CES. That is the Consumer Electronics Showcase. In that time, they have expanded their NES library, entered the VCR gaming market, opened up subsidiaries in Japan and Europe to aid in game development, and are now looking to enter the computer software market. To say that Acclaim has made it... A Big is a bit of an understatement. That's funny that they focus on, uh, you know, their approach being all licensed stuff is such a corporate perspective. And the fact that like half of that is just talking about their corporate structure and dealings is <laughs> right in line. You know, it's just right in line. So I got a chuckle from the Airwolf. Air, well, Air, Air, Air Wolf. <laughs> Almost. I think about it. Matt. Uh, Matt Cool has me conscious about wolf wolf pronunciations now, so much so that I'm fucking them up uh, entirely <laughs> when I try to uh, do it the right way. But yeah, so based on the syndicated TV show and translated from a semi successful coin op, Airwolf ID, or rather, is your basic horizontal shooter. And, and that like is just such a ringing endorsement of that uh, non banger, you know? It's just like, I don't banger. Yeah, right. it's fucking. Like, you want to shoot? That's, that's what it is. You're semi successful coin op. Like, I mean, some people played it. <laughs> you know, it's just, I don't know. Again, you know it's what just, it is. You've seen it. You might not like it, but. Yeah, it's, it. it's just such a stark contrast to typical video game mag syntax. Uh, interesting so yeah so we have airwolf and iron sword uh wizards and warriors 2 and oh my god i just closed the fucking app wwf wrestlemania dude we gotta talk about wrestlemania it's funny to me because i love it like i loved wrestling you know wrestlemania growing up and and the various iterations that will come after this but they they say developed around the hugely popular in quotations sport of athletic acting like i I wrote this down too and yeah yeah i've never heard that precise terminology when talking shit about wrestling and i fucking love it yeah i wrote that down too that was that was good that was good very shit talky and and there's no better shit talky than smart shit talky (laughs) (laughs) not to be confused with shit talky a delicious mushroom for all the Uh, I think I had some of those last night with some tahini for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Inside front cover of GamePro Merchant Taito Software is next. Like Data East and Konami, Taito Software is an established arcade game, or arcade name rather, that has skyrocketed to the top of consumer gaming, or the consumer gaming field. With powerful adaptions of several solid coin-op properties, Taito has plenty of ammunition to carry the company into 1989 and beyond. And the games we have here are Kicks. Operation Wolf and Sky Shark, mm-hmm. and the Puzzler Classic Kicks is the only 
is only the PC format of this, but we would get an NES drop uh, in January 91. So I assumed that was an NES game, but it was actually not the PC right. one here. Uh, it's probably in that next, actually, Nintendo Power we're doing because that's the beginning of 91. Um, but yeah, these games, uh, we've seen them a million times. Operation Wolf is kind of not bad for yeah. Sorry. A, a shooter game that you can also play with your controller. Sky Shark is a shitty flying shmup. I don't really have anything I want to do there. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we get to, we get to Jalico, which you've already, I already talked uh, spoke some praises of uh, a bit. So tell us about them. Yeah, here's a company that, with a few minor exceptions, has found a very successful niche in the NES market by sticking with the recognizable sports titles. Having already done justice to basketball and tennis, Jalico is now banking on basketball and hockey, as well as an in-depth action piece. And clearly they have hoops and goal here. They call hoops one of the greatest basketball games ever, and I think that's a wild take, even in '89. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not. Uh, I don't agree with that. Double dribble does exist uh, at this time, so yeah. So, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Konami wins that at, in 1989. Easily, I guess one of. I, right, maybe really. <laughs> Want to get super cynical? I mean, like, comparatively, the what's no, out there really. I was going to say, there's just not that many. There's only a handful, so maybe all of them are one of the greatest ever because there's only three or whatever. <laughs> you know, so we have Magic. I don't even, well, again, I, it's, I don't recall for if sure. there's Magic, four, two it, of them it, are terrible. Right. Double Dribble I, is the best, and this, I guess, is more, Right. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if Magic Johnson's out yet. That's obviously terrible anyways. Arch Rivals probably isn't out yet. So, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's just nothing uh, competing with it. So, it. it by default is one of the greatest ever. So maybe it's not wild, but it is misleading. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I even like that again, just talking about kind of their criticism perspective, they're willing to couch the, de- where the developers at as far as their full library by saying like, with a few exceptions, like some of it is shitty. 100%. <laughs> You know, so that's pretty wild. Be real with us. Right. Gamer team. Love it. (laughs) Next, we have Konami slash Ultra. And this is one of the most successful Nintendo third-party suppliers around. Konami has increased their profile in home gaming by entering the computer software markets in a big way and re-entering the NES field with a new subsidiary, Ultra Games. Now, with 1989 upon us, the folks at Konami Ultra are in an even better position to fulfill our gaming fantasies. And that is not... Uh, light praise at all. We have three game epilums featured right at the top of the leaderboard alongside Capcom, and this is Metal Gear, Gyrus, and Team and T. And then also we have Defender of the Crown, Skater Die, Cubert, Silent Service, Track and Field Two, and Buyability. How about the tantalizing, mysterious tapestry they weave for TMNT with this copy here? Although little is known about the piece based on the martial arts masters in a half shell, Advance Word has it that the game is truly. Remarkable. So that's a very ah. let me let me dangle the carrot, child. You know, right? And of these games, Bayou Billy is still a game up curiosity for me, and I want to make that stated. Having it as a kid, and because of the mul- the multiple play mechanics, uh, the action, side scrolling, platformer deal, beat 'em up type shit, the jeep driving, and then the uh, zapper stuff. Uh, but um, I know that that's probably a masochistic thing to bring into our lives, so I don't know. Um, if- I, I honestly, I don't know anything about it. Like I just, I I didn't play it this time. It's a title that clearly we've seen the box art a kajillion times. Like I couldn't, I don't know if in my mind it's like, 
I don't, I don't know what it's like. I don't know if it's like Pitfall in my mind. I, I, I really don't know anything about it. I didn't play it. Didn't really think about it. I just, I've seen it so much. I just kind of skipped over it. Like, oh yeah, there's Bayou Billy and just kind of kept going. It's like, <laughs> it should be good. It's like everything about it seems good, but it's just like playing it is just grating in some way. And I don't, oh, don't, no. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, yeah, it's just it's super hard, and there's a lot of there's just some un, a lot of unfair shit. And actually, saying that out loud, like I think maybe it does have a zapper component too. And maybe I'm, I know there's multiple game modes, and maybe I'm misremembering that right now off the top of my head. But I think there's a zapper part of it, and that would mean we couldn't play it, of course, because we don't have a zapper. Although I did mention a while back, there is a way to do that now. But it's some hoops to jump through that I don't know if that game's worth. I don't, I don't, know, if, like, I don't, I don't know if I want to jump through hoops for that. <laughs> yeah, it might be a bit of a stretch. The other heaviest third-party hitter on the NES, Capcom now. Jay, hit us with that. While Capcom hasn't enjoyed the profile of other major Nintendo producers like Konami, they have nonetheless been able to crank out one hit game after the other. For 1989, Capcom should continue this trend with an even broader variety of themes to choose from. And it's true. I think it's interesting that they consider at this stage Capcom to be lesser than Konami, you know, that they say that. Right. And it, maybe, it is just... Maybe this is just a, a, a tad, a skosh too early. Right, you know? exactly. I think that's exactly... I think once Mega Man 2 hits in its entirety, oh, yeah. this changes, you know. It does, because Mega Man 1 was like... A little goofy, uh, like, right? Yeah, I didn't even know of Mega Man 1. And Mega Man 2 hit, and it was like, oh, this is fantastic. And then you go play <laughs> 1, and it's like, yeah, 2 is way better. No wonder I didn't really hear about 1. But, like, 2 and 3, yeah, after all that. And then the more G- Disney games, like, come on. Yeah, they. this is just, they're just on the... I, the I love that they, People just don't that, they that that is how they word it. Just like, yeah, there's just a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, that's, that's good. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so they, we have three... The three Game Up alums here are Mega Man 2, of course, DuckTales, which has been the Disney games group mm-hmm. there, and then Strider. So uh, those are the three for Capcom that we've already done. And so I, the most notable thing here is the California Raisins deal. I saw that, and I was like, oh, I we played that game. Oh, I, I, I have, we haven't played this. So I, yeah, I added uh, I added to the outline thinking like, oh, this is a new game. We got to play this, you know, uh, as a new, like I put in the new outline as a new game, I mean. And then I started fucking digging around for it. I realized uh, we never played it because it never got released. This is an unreleased game. Uh, I did happen to have a couple prototypes in my library that were unreleased and both were absolute trash action platformers. So I see why they didn't come out. But uh, yeah, the game... Um, didn't actually make it out, so that was kind of interesting. They, it's the I posted the one picture, like the, <laughs> the like the title screen artwork kind of, or maybe that was a stage selection menu, but like the artwork of the raisins. Like I was looking at, it, I was like uh, the way I, the context I posted it in was like you gotta like you have to be old to look at this image and even be able to kind of know what you're looking at. Uh, <laughs> it's if you look on our Instagram, it's up there. It's like. Yeah, the raisins are such a weird thing. <laughs> such a weird cultural phenomenon of the the 80s, I think. Man, it's it Are we sure never never released? They're, yep, they're both prototypes that were not it was not released. I man, I Maybe it was on Atari. Maybe maybe this hit Atari. <laughs> like, I swore I played a California Raisins game. I'm like, what what am not I? Not a released one. Then? Maybe maybe you have the prototype as well. Uh, but yeah, huh. there it's not a release game. That is, I'm gonna have to do some digging. In. That's crazy to me. 
Like I didn't, I clearly didn't think about it for this. I was just like, oh yeah, California raisins, blue right? Well, yeah, raisins. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, it must exist, yeah. right? Yeah, that's that, yeah, that again. Why I was kind of like, oh, I, was, I was, you know, I don't know. It was like a level of uncertainty, yeah. you know, finding it there. So next we have Mindscape, and it gets the short end of the stick, I would say, but let's get into the actual way uh, that's the case. It says, a company with a questionable future, despite some strong arcade titles, Mindscape is taking a safe path with several strong arcade games. Paperboy, Indiana Jones, Roadrunner, and what's her fucking uh, Sacktown's favorite game, 720 Degrees, all licensed from Atari games, have large followings that should help the company's Nintendo Entertainment System revenues. Another NES game to watch for is Infiltrator, a helicopter combat simulation. And then they don't list any actual individual games, and it's the only company where that's the case. And I thought that really interesting. I don't, I can't come up, I don't know, why? Like, I even, feel like I feel like this must be this sounds like one of those things where like they were letting developers know, like publishers know, like, hey, we're gonna be doing this magazine, this is what we got going on, and they're like letting them know, like, all right, I'm gonna need it by this date. Let us know like what games you got. And then they like, didn't deliver we don't have any the games. We don't have any games. You're like, just just say this. <laughs> that is a fantastic job. Like, are you sure? Man. Are you yeah. sure? And like, all right, should we just get rid of them? Like, not <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. You yeah. Sure, you don't want to leave you out. It might look kind of weird. Nah, just run with it. Just run. With it. <laughs> yes, we need yeah. more. Any, we, they pay for anything. The space. Anything's better than space. nothing. Anything's better than nothing. We're we're yep. fledgling over here. Shit's fucking going haywire. Hundred dollars. <laughs> the spot costs hundred dollars. We got to put it in. Yeah, that's that's great. So the trade west comes after that. These fucking assholes, Jay. Oh, <laughs> uh, one of the smaller NES third-party suppliers. Trade West has big plans for 1989, including continued support for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Continued, ex- continued support is like, I don't know. That's a fucked up way to say games, you know? It's like a really, the most boring way to say they're making games. <laughs> like they're they're kind of doing it. <laughs> Technically, yes. <laughs> and expanded computer software and games through Mastertronic. Which is an interesting name. I mean, but they only have Magic's Magic Johnson Fast Break, your favorite game, and then Taboo. So. Yeah, I refuse to talk about any of those games. And I guess that answer <laughs> that that says it all right there because I was saying a moment ago I didn't remember seeing this there, even though it was a, a page later, and we were in the we were in the segment. I was trying to remember whether Magic Johnson was out yet, and I didn't remember. That's how forgettable Magic Johnson Fast Break is. Uh, yeah, fuck that yeah, game. I'm fuck fair. Trade West. Fuck that. <laughs> so SNK brings up the rear with probably some war games. And their, uh, yeah, their synopsis reads, the first third-party producer of Nintendo Entertainment System games, SNK has evolved. And that's crazy, actually, that they're the, they're the very first. I wonder what game that was. I don't know. Mm. Anyways, the SNK has evolved from early entries like Athena to state of the maybe that was the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to state of the art productions such as Iron Tank and Victory Road. While production quotas kept 1988 from being the banner year that it should have been, SNK is taking every step ne- necessary, including a crack of a crack at computer in- translations of Nintendo hits, to ensure. That that insurer spelled wrong, by the way. That's the insurer right. like a policy. What? Yeah, that 1989 delivers a solid punch to home and computer game players, and the one game they have here is POW: Prisoners of War. Good game. Which Good is an game. arcade port. Yeah, it's not not bad. Beat 'em up. Kind of like a um, Vietnam. It's themed. decent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's labeled by some as Double Dragon in Vietnam. That's how they 
sum it up here. Mag copy you'd never read in 2023 for a thousand Alex also. <laughs> more more Jeopardy jokes. A couple long-form pieces of video game journalism are next. 16-bit Sizzler, a 16-bit system preview, and Dare to Compare, an NES gridiron matchup of Tecmo Bowl versus John Elway's quarterback. So 16-bit Sizzler is a three-banger on the NES PC engine, which hasn't gotten to the Turbo Graphics makeover yet to appease Americans who love extreme and Mega Drive, same thing, not the Genesis yet, and that Koenig Slipstream gadget, and then the Super Famicom, of course. They also just randomly toss in Game Boy at the end to this, and I guess that is probably most demonstrative of how out of the box a handheld cartridge system was for the time, that there wasn't even like a category. To it was them. it was just like the LCDs. That was the closest yeah. thing, like the little things. Right, all. but yeah, so, but those don't yeah. deserve their own section at all. <laughs> and yeah, so it was clearly they they were clearly a subpar like thing you, you played with when you did not have access to your right. actual video game console. The, these went in the backpack to school for sure. I kept I kept my. I remember, dude. I've never said that about. I've talked about that a million times. But that Double Dragon Tiger that lived in my backpack forever like i like if i played that at home i would go i would it would have to go take it out of my backpack my school backpack you know so that motherfucker just lived in my backpack uh, at all times in case uh, a gaming fix was necessary in whatever the case <laughs> that's funny i remember smuggling it into class once and getting in trouble actually uh like out of my backpack oh, yeah like i uh, having to keep it in my locker which is crazy those lockers didn't even lock someone could have stole that <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's bold. I'd never would have brought that stuff to school. <laughs> uh, Oberlin, Ohio. Naivety. You know, Fair da- danger is not a uh, part of your life. <laughs> Most notable thing to me in this whole piece was how way the fuck off they were on their prediction of TurboGrafx games. They're thinking, the price of them, I mean, they're thinking 30 to $40. Uh, and uh, nearly, try, yeah, try nearly Jokes. double that, homeboys. Yeah, that was, they, those games were expensive as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, it's all kind of shit we've seen and talked about as far as they're um, telling us about what's coming down that pipe. And the gridiron piece starts off with a nice planting of their flag. I love this. This is such a great, uh, again, emblematic of the just here's the fucking deal uh, brass tacks on games that suck and games that don't. But they go through this. Uh, this reads, Tecmo Bowl and John Oway's quarterback provide something that's been absent from the Nintendo Sports Library, some realistic football simulations. That's not to say Nintendo's 10-yard fight is bad. It was a good adaption of an arcade game. But 10-yard fight is outdated and is not what I consider football. <laughs> Which is fucking okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, let us know how you feel. Right. Okay, Casey Maxwell, tell me what you consider football. Football games should make you sweat. They should be loaded with action. From the opening kickoff to the sounding of the final gun. Football games should be filled with hard hits, great acrobatic catches, and most importantly, enough strategy that make you remember that you're playing football, not rugby. And I can vibe with that, Casey, so let's break it down category (laughs) by category. He then goes on to grade each game across six uh, categories. Realism, graphics, sound, computer opponent, two-player mode, and extra bells and whistles being the last one. So we start with realism here. And this talks a lot about playbooks and how much freedom you have at executing those plays. And it mentions that Elway, or rather in Elway, you can only control the middle linebacker on defense until well into the play, which is also kind of a thing for Cyberball, I remember. You couldn't switch Mm -hmm. players on defense in Cyberball. But he liked how in Tecmo you can pick any player before the play. And yes, that is a, a very key thing for... Tech Mobile defensive strategy, being able to get to LT or 
who are some other heavy hitters, fucking uh, Richard Dent on the Bears or Daryl Green on the Redskins, some of the really fast players that can you can cover ground with, you know, to play defense. Yeah. The only real gripe about Tecmo he had was not being able to see receivers on deep routes and in turn not being able to cover them reliably. And I would say this rang heavy to me because I would say that is something that a highly skilled Tecmo Bowl player learns to feel those routes, even though you can't see them. You run deep in the middle of the field and you're able to, yes, just kind of feel how long... I mean, the kind of the receivers just kind of go on those deep routes. You know, there's no if a, if a route is long enough to take them off the field or off the screen, they're usually just go routes. And in that case, you're kind of just running with them the whole time. You know what I mean? And then once the ball goes in the air, you just go to that side of the screen, the top or bottom of the screen, to whichever side it goes to. So I think even that is an invalid criticism about Tecmo Bowl being a, a one downside. You know, so uh, that's that's all he has to say bad about it. Though he gets a gives it a B. In realism, and then Elway gets a C for that, and this made me think, Jay, do schools still grade on that archaic system? Do they still use letter grades? I think so. How do they do report cards? Like, Emails? Uh, no, we actually still get, I think I got printed stuff still. They, they bring them home, really, no shit. Yeah. Like in a folder still. But I mean, I could access it. I think I could still access it digitally as well if I wanted to. Okay. always bring it home, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I was curious. Uh, I feel like they should have thought of something way, way fuck smarter than a, than letter grades by now. No, the, the, the elementary school, I don't think, I don't think has it, at least in my son's level, you know. I don't think we have, I think we, yeah, I remember my grade school, at least early grade school, I think maybe, this is only Oberlin too. It's such a, it's a, it's just, Oberlin was such a progressive town for being middle of nowhere, Ohio. Because uh, I, I remember going when I went to Grafton when my mom died, and I, I was in that different school district ever so briefly. That did have letter grades, and I remember that being so jarring. But in Oberlin, uh. yeah, in Oberlin we had this check plus, check minus system deal. Like ch- like check meant just that like the like you got the check yes or no just for doing the work. Yeah. And then the plus or minus was quality, the qualitative component of yeah, the work. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen yeah. that. So like I've I've actually known the report card like strength or like or like right. like goal, like you met the goal or like you right. need improvement. Like it's very right. binary. Or like right. there's there's like three, you know, like right. above goal, meet goal, below standard, yep. something like that. Or needs improvement. Makes sense. Don't want to be don't want to be too critical. Got to be supportive. <laughs> Which is it's basically what we're doing here with this freaking John Elway game, man. It needs improvement. It needs improvement. Yeah, it all did. Lots of <laughs> lots of check minuses for yeah, you did make the game. It's here. The game's here. You get the check, but uh, it needs improvement for sure. Across I, I will not be playing it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The graphics category is heavy praise for the pixel art and animations of the players in Tech Mobile, and then Casey thinks the player Casey thinks the players in Elway waddle like a duck. <laughs> That's pretty fun. Mm. And Techmo gets an A minus here. Duck waddling gets Elway a B somehow. I don't know if it's that bad. Then why is why is it getting a B? Moving on to sound, it's even more of a dichotomy in this category. He rails on the limited offerings of Elway, even saying that the charge theme that plays randomly during games gets so annoying that you want to, and this is his words, you'll want to smash your TV speakers is what he says. Wow. And that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's maybe the worst critical response possible. For, if you want to break something that you own, <laughs> that's a really harsh critical yeah. wording to, to use in a magazine. So that's that's heavy. Ooh. 
Uh, he gives tons of praise to all the different music in Tecmo, though, which I agree is excellent. And his closing button citation is the touchdown voice sample, which also is dope for sure. We've talked about how any actual discernible voice samples mm-hmm. in this early Nintendo phase, dope. Good job. He gives Tecmo an A- minus here and a D-plus for Elway, so he gets super critical there. Still not enough, though. He wants to break his shit, but it doesn't fail. <laughs> so I think he needs to modulate his fucking grading system. <laughs> The computer opponent is the next category. Same vibes here to sound. A lot of praise for Tecmo's progressive ramping up of difficulty. As bullshit as the the, the difficulty increases can be, uh, I think. Uh, the fact that you can play a session of sorts with the password continuation feature is still cool. You know, kind of play a season. Whereas Elway is a one-off exhibition only type thing. And he clowns pretty hard on the very shitty AI behavior as well. Um his philosophy, though, he like, says never punts. I actually like that. <laughs> and Tecmo does that, too. In the last two minutes, they don't punt ever either. So, I don't you know, whatever. But uh, he gives Tecmo a B+, Elway a D. Then we get couch co-op mode, two-player mode. And this is one category he gives Elway mm. props in, citing the actual defensive plays to choose from instead of Tecmo's just picking an offensive play and stunning it thing. Yeah. And because the players on the teams are the same, it is more evenly matched. Like, he, he like... I think, yeah, and I think that is a terrible criticism that he says, like, the different qualitative player, like, the, the qualitative ratings that the players have on teams in Tecmo, you know, that that's an unfair advantage or some sort of unbalancing that he doesn't like. And I think that is a really shit. He wants to be able to do He wants to be able to run the same plays to every, against every team. <laughs> the same yeah. Way. Yeah. Which is lame. It's not yeah. football, sir. Yeah. So to me, that's, I, I think that's a terrible criticism, but he gives Elway a B plus or sorry, Tecmo a B plus and then Elway an A minus here. So that's the one place that Elway edges mm-hmm. it out. And then the last one is bells and whistles and shit like the halftime slideshow and player stats in the HUD have Tecmo smoking Elway here again. Tecmo an A minus, Elway a C minus. And overall, Tecmo gets an A minus, so Elway also a C minus. And he calls Tecmo about as perfect as it gets for Nintendo football fans and that Elway is a big disappointment. He does couch the Elway criticism by saying it probably wouldn't have been such a letdown without a good arcade version setting high expectations. And I don't know about that. It just seems like a shitty game to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, I certainly support in the line pretty close with KC here, except those small exceptions I took with the Tecmo criticisms. Yeah, I can't even get through. Like, I try, try and play in the Elway. I can't even get through. Like, I can't even give it a fair shake. I can't even get through, like, a series of it. It's just, like, it's unplayable to me <laughs> this is so I, bad i got through a half i don't think i played a whole game i was just like oh this what game a, is what, just, a fu- uh. what a what a, <laughs> what a fucking trooper i've definitely i've never played a, in my entire life i've never played a cumulatively a half worth of John well Elizabeth. because you know I've, I've played the other games you know i can't remember what game what other game i played in preparation for the last game map where there was football as options you know but Whatever it was, I remember struggling at first with the controls. Like, man, what what is going it was, on? It here? was Madden, Madden and Joe Montana. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. And then, like, once I got the controls, I was like, oh, now no, I'm good. Then I was rolling. So, but it took me like a half of kind of like, yeah, no, I feel, it took me a couple I of feel that. of like offense, defense to fump, figure. So I kind of felt like I needed to at least do that here. But then it was just like, nope, it's still the same problem. This is still, <laughs> still, still, this still sucks. sucks, man. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I will say that I have never once read a Elway manual either. So maybe a little bit of a better understanding would make it, you know, for all, for any. Uh, particularly avid less bad John Elway enthusiasts <laughs> out there I apologize if that would make it better but it to me it is just horrible horrible game uh, yeah so unenjoyable <laughs> <laughs> 
so that was I, I love I hope that kind of like in-depth side-by-side comparison of two leading mm-hmm. types of game I hope that type of approach remains in the future oh, issues because that, that's a cool way to do it okay yeah that's that's a da- cool. dare to compare continues so okay. I, I like that when, when there's options like that uh, that's actually oh man I just I just felt a, a, an extreme rush of nostalgia in my brain <laughs> talk it's happening right now just immediate remembering like remembering of later EGM magazines where they're comparing multiple different kinds of the same thing, like three different kinds of basketball game okay. or three different kinds of this like new specific shooter. It's something where I'm just like, oh yeah, that one looks to be better. And just right. like EGM being like freaking a, a actually, at one point actually feeling informed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I love it. A hardcore snapshot of gaming in 1989 comes our way next in the form of a Sunsoft two banger. That's, Probably yes. 70% comprised of a gorgeous CRT shot of Xenophobe. And Xenophobe is a borderline unplayable game, I think. But it is yes. interesting yes, that Sunsoft pounds their chests about it being the very first. This is interesting. The very first on the game on the NES with split-screen action. So you can play with another player in the same level at the same time. So two players are playing in the same space, theoretically, on screen at once. And yes, that is certainly progressive for the time. But reading that... Made me think of oh my gosh. Kim Koseka's Spy vs. Spy. Oh, Does this mean anything to you? Okay, so yeah. that it's, it's a much better and more fun game, uh, by the by. <laughs> but that also had split-screen two-player action. And sure enough, like I was like, no, I need to fucking check this. Uh, Spy vs. Spy dropped in October of 88, and Xenophobe was in December 88 dropped. So, uh, you know, debunked here on the ISOH pod where we ask the hard questions. <laughs> so basically, uh, they found that they they thought they figured out the mechanic, tried right. to ru- wrap a game around it, and rushed it to market. Because I'm like, well, no, this this is a port. This was on, this, they ported this from other, so this is a this is a game that's been around for a while. Well, that's that makes it worse. Why is it's it so that, bad? I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I concur. Yeah, it's Sunsoft. And it's crazy, too, because Sunsoft, otherwise, Sunsoft belongs in this fucking developer thing. Why Why does Sunsoft not feature, but we have Mindscape, Trade West, and SNK? Like, that's nuts. A Sunsoft, I guess this is exactly what we're describing, because Sunsoft hasn't done their heat yet. Blaster Master is out, but that's the first step sunsoft takes mm-hmm. down the heat trail for sure so that's fair i suppose that that's not quite being featured yet it's too i'm like yet. yeah feature blaster master up top what are you what are we doing here like right why? right 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 yeah and also obviously you know I I, I I i i'm being uh hyperbolic for the sense of performance there but uh <laughs> you know obviously what what to the, as far as they knew it probably was they probably didn't even know spy versus spy existed so true you know yeah that's fair. true in their mind it probably was uh, as usual, Sunsoft is offering up a clip-out form to send in and join their mailing list, and it features some other titles as well. Platoon, Blaster Master, Spy Hunter, and Zapper Joint Freedom Force. So yeah, so none of those. Platoon is interesting, uh, but not good either. No. Spy Hunter is kind of an eh port of that, even though it's kind of a cool game, especially in the arcade. Spy Hunter is kind of cool. And Freedom Force is a lame Zapper Joint. So um, yeah. Fair, fair that you know. Obviously, Batman's not out yet. Uh, neither is Fester's Quest, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We have not game. You know, we talked about it, but we haven't said this specific thing. We have not game at Blaster Master, and it's certainly deserving of a game episode. So, perhaps we will discuss that later. Next is a really interesting paid placement piece called Taxan Video Diction that they are playing up as a free premiere issue of a standalone ongoing company newsletter you can subscribe to for two bucks. They're trying to charge money for this. 
crazy as fuck. But I was so piqued by this, I, 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 started, <laughs> yeah, I started hunting around to see if I could find later issues on the archive. Uh, no luck uh, with that. But I did find that they would continue advertising this $2 sign-up in EGM issue 2. I pulled up issue 2 to check. And there was a subscription card in the July 1990 issue of GamePro also where it was free to sign up. So... They started this in 1989. They were trying to charge. By July of 1990, they realized oh, how insane nah. that was, and they were just giving it away for free in GamePro. Uh, and then it again popped up in the search. So I, I didn't realize the Internet Archive could do this, but you can just search. It it pulls the metadata out of all the scans. It scans the words and makes all that entire archive searchable in the data, like within the database. So I was able to type in video diction and get all this information in one quick search on internetarchive.org, which is fucking fantastic functionality. Good nice. job, guys. I uh, should probably give them uh, money when they ask for it on the website. <laughs> uh, anyways, the it also came up in the 91 GamePro. Uh, we'll next be reading through when we get back to GamePro after Nintendo Power 20 here that comes next. So that was kind of fun. There's a by developer section of the automated recording menu you can touch tone through. Like the So the the part that it was in in the in in that 91 Game Pro is the 1900 I don't know if you recall this in the Game Pro is where they have the 1900 Game Pro number and they have by developer you can go through the 1900 menu system and, and Taxan yeah. has a, a a place there and in there it says in the Game Pro that you can sign up for their newsletter by paying for GamePro. Like, while you're paying for ni- GamePro's 900 number, you can get the information to sign up for their newsletter, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. All kind of friction up. Preventing- <laughs> okay, yeah, that, yeah, whatever. Back to the mag. Uh, so this starts with a letter from Ken Lobb, product manager in Taxan's consumer division, and he explains that EGM is the only gamer mag that is, that is truthful in its reviewing of games, and that's why he's sticking this newsletter in this particular magazine. He calls it a fine piece of literary journalism, albeit in a somewhat humor-aimed manner. So I'll give him that. Like, he's not being too snooty or lame there. He is does put it in a comedic tone, I think, uh, which is kind of surprising. I expect it to be a very dry piece of writing from him. So good job there. How do you feel about that, though? though? Literary journalism, does that make you feel good, Jay? That your magazine is being considered literary journalism? <laughs> I, like that. I like the honest tone. Yeah. All that good stuff. They feature three NES games here. They have Mappy Land, Fist, Fist of the North Star, and then Mystery Quest. And oh. Mappy Land is a really shitty side-scrolling platformer we've talked about before, but I don't think we've encountered the other two in a released setting yet, so I did fire them up and play with them. Did you fuck with either of these? Of course. Okay. Yeah, Fist of the North Star, like... It's a side scrolling beat 'em up with really shitty graphics, and yeah. it's based on some manga shit that you know really turns me off. Uh, it's an '87 drop, though, so you know it makes me want to like kind of couch the graphical criticism because it is an early stage NES game, so that's why it looks that way, probably. But it does raise the question of why Taxan is sweating it here in 1989. You know, it feels like an old computer game, like my, yeah. you know what I mean, like one of those yeah. old ones. Where I'm using my actual like keyboard to do karate moves. It's, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's it's interesting, but nah, it just it feels so dated. I just can't yeah. even for the time. Like that's that's one thing. Going through this magazine again brought me back to that time where everything kind of feels and is 
early generation, early NES generation. Yeah. But this felt like in early computer generation, like before that. Well, yeah, where, I mean, 87. Where, where we were just happy to like get to the NES yeah. and put that kind of shit away. You know? I mean, That's 87 cool. is just out of, like, black box era for India. Yeah. So it's super. That's super early in the, in the timeline. I mean, it's an interesting idea in that you, like, play these side-scrolling stages and then have, like, an arena boss battle at the end, which sounds like, yo, duh, that's how they work today. Yeah. But that's not how that was new kind of at the time. So, you know, like, kind of a, I like the idea of it, but I just... Ugh, yeah, I just, that just doesn't, doesn't work. I concur. Yeah. So Mystery Quest, this one... It's a side-scrolling shooter that dropped in April of 89. So this is a kind of a new game for them. So it makes more sense that it's here. It doesn't really look like a 1989 game, I don't think. But I... So this one has a weird place in my life. It's a... I have a very obscure memory of playing this at a friend of my dad's house while he and his buddy were definitely doing, I'm fairly confident, some drug-related dirty shit uh even in my eight-year-old perception you know i, I had an mm. idea that something funky was going on <laughs> uh but i enjoyed the game and, and at the time i mean and playing it now like it definitely feels like early nintendo tier gaming action like looks very basic but there's something enjoyable here like there's mm. something and, and maybe it is just pure nostalgia i don't know if, if you totally disagree with this but like i was playing it and i was kind of like I wasn't like, I need to turn this off immediately. And like, that's, it looks like it should feel that way. <laughs> I was kind of entertained. Yeah, it's, I don't know what to think about this. It definitely has that early kitty feel, you know, right. that little happy go lucky, whimsical yeah. is, is probably the right word, like feel to it. Like, I, I didn't hate it. It's not great. I'm not, by no means, it's not saying, great. Like, I yeah. didn't hate it. Again, like, I probably would have to grab a, strategy guy not a strategy guy but like an actual instruction manual to see like what am i actually supposed to be doing okay. here what? i don't know i i would i would it was pretty simple straight i would yeah i would say i would combat that with saying that this like there's that's probably it's maybe its biggest criticism is that it is just so basic and straightforward you're literally just collect things points get to the end you know it's like there's no uh they they try to paint some story world about your some sort of that's what i'm saying i'm like yeah. if they're painting that story like what's actually going on what is, is that yeah, i suppose what is that story yeah but some more of a nostalgia plug, probably, then. Okay. <laughs> Noted. They also <laughs> are doing a high-score challenge for Star Soldier, a shit-flying space shmup of theirs at the end. If you place in the top 10, you get a free copy of Mappy Land mailed to you, and I suppose that's not a bad deal, so cool. It's like a free one of their, game. One of their sure. new games, sure, yeah. Ken posts his high... <laughs> this is fucking super funny to me, though. Ken posts his high scores for these games to give you an idea of what's worth sending in, which I think is a very nice flex by Ken. Ooh, yeah, right? yeah, he posts that seventy-two million dollars, seventy-two million score for Mystery Quest. Seems a little full of shit to me. I played it for maybe five minutes, and I had eleven thousand points. So, wow, seventy-two so million hard. That's yeah, like... seventy-two million is a lot of fucking points. <laughs> you extrapolate well, that if it, out. If it's that's simple, a lot, that's, that's a lot, lot of minutes. Of plan, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. We get into the serious, fine literary journalism Kenny Boy cited next, turning our attention to full-page reviews of individual titles. And NES always comes first, and that holds true here with Capcom's 1943. And the structure of these is mostly an explanation of the gameplay, summated by a wind-up paragraph that gives us its best pitch pits best pitch to cop the game at your next Toys R Us trip with the rents. And uh, at least here in this first issue, they're all positive. Like that kind of yeah, wind-up blurb. I'm, so like, little... what? I'm like, what is going on here? Well, yeah. I, I, I think that's okay, though, because uh, 
there's also at the bottom a more like the it's like a separate piece that's like the critic uh, the critical minded stuff you know yeah uh, so but like I, they're all hits direct hits near hits like there's not none are like miss uh, complete well, miss right yeah. there's that's yeah it's just kind of just but I, I feel like that's kind of a thing too though like game pro did that too with their their uh, nintendo power did it too i think they kind of like started hot and then realize once you like keep going and you real you have more of a con a contextual look at these ratings you're giving they usually start hot and then get a little more realistic as you go on so for the, i didn't really want to knock it for that that being the fair case enough, here in the first one enough. so yeah so they you have that kind of that pitch uh, explain what the game is type shit and then one small screenshot of the title screen accompanies the opening uh, one larger shot of gameplay has also worked on the copy layout and then up top is a nice illustration of an NES with Nintendo written above it which is a clear delineation that GamePro does not offer they just do a text version yeah. you know so I thought that was a nice piece of uh, design here and there's also a box cover and the title treatment as it is on the box cover and then the developer with the exact system name and then a little tagline above that that leads into that title. This one reads for 1943, take on the entire enemy fleet with 1943. So again, this is kind of like a prioritization of the fucking developer. So this again is just informing more of what you've already pointed out, that this this magazine is hyper-focused on making sure you know who made this game, and that is interesting. And then at the bottom of each page is a very uh, a small original illustration that all have kind of comedic interpretation vibes to them. And I really like these. It's just like a character that's in the story world, you know. And another blurb from a named staffer that contains their critical response to the game. And they have I, – I love this visual representation too. I love that it is a the, – the overall quantification of the game's quality is expressed in the form of a set of crosshairs depicting one of three types of sniper shots, direct hit, hit, or near hit. There's no grading system explainer for the system – on the whole, you know, um, which is an editorial fail. But GamePro did that too. They took, I think, they might have taken... No, they, they when they first introduced it, they had a thing in, in the letter from the editor, actually. Never mind. But, yeah, that's a fail that they don't explain what the full spectrum of possibility is. But you would have to assume, yes, there's near misses and then full misses too. Or way, way off or something, you know, yeah. as a possibility to make a nice round five-point grading scale that's in line with GamePro and Nintendo Powers. But... Uh, that's not explained here, um, unfortunately. So yeah, overall the reviews look a little more school newspaper-ish, I would say, kind of amateurish than Game Pros. Which yeah. uh, this is when I figured out that they started uh, the same month too. But because of the illustration style and the creative license, I think I prefer these anyways. Like I like mm-hmm. that illustration. I like the the. Um, you can see what system that it's for and the right. cover art. So there's no. You know, if you're going to the store, you know, if you're going to Toys R Us, if you know you're going to the flea market, you know exactly what that box is supposed to look like. <laughs> right. And right, what right, and what right. system is for. You know, I like that. Yep. Yeah, so Helpful even get, but, <laughs> GamePro does get that rating system, but it took them a little longer. So, again, this is, this is fucking trailblazing because, yeah, GamePro's rating system didn't come in until a few issues in. So, EGM 100% started this idea of having, like, some sort of, like, very quantified, even though, you know, I kind of want to, you know, I, I'm not a huge proponent of quantification, but I understand the layman needs that simplification to interpret and compare with some sort of, you know, yeah. easily discernible way. So I, I, I support these magazines certainly having that. And it's EGM is the first one to do it for sure. So that's that's cool, too, that they're 
fucking, you know, giving something that boils it down to brass tacks when you're trying to make hard decisions at the game rental joint on Friday night. <laughs> you know, you, gotta, you, need, right. you need fucking uh, hard and fast information. So 1943 gets a glowing direct hit from the reviewer, Jay Moon, who says, 1943 delivers the goods that all good shoot-em-ups need. Fast action and addictive gameplay. And Jay also says this is one... Uh, or the, this one is not the pushover its predecessor, 1942, was, even though uh, even using Turbo, they've had uh, trouble getting through it. So they say it's quite difficult. Did you fire this up? No, I'm not a fan of 1942 and 1943 games. I've, I played them as a kid. I'm just not a fan. I, you know, I don't think we've actually, I don't think we've, uh, maybe it's because, we, you know, it's hard to, 1942, 43, whatever, maybe whatever. But, like, 43 actually had some shit that was kind of cool in it. I kind of feel the same, or I thought I felt the same way about these games. There's kind of like, eh, flying shmup, whatever. They're not bad. They're Capcom, so whatever. But uh, not my bag. And I fired this up, and I was kind of like, yeah, the opening cinematic is pretty cool. It's a carrier named Hawkness. They give you a whole story. Like, a, a carrier named Hawkness is located off the coast of Bahala Island. Whatever that, like I actually looked that up. Valhalla Island is uh, located off the coast of Florida, according to my best Googling. But the game's wiki says this game is set where you'd think, the Pacific Ocean, between Hawaii and Japan and what's called the Midway Atoll. And this is that. Did you know this? Look, I was looking, fucking trying to look at the geography of all this. This area is actually an extension of way more tiny islands that snake off the end of the Hawaii Islands. Did you know, like, there's, there's like, the five, like, if you look at a map, when I think, and the way I think of any map is basically, like, a puzzle I had when I was, like, eight of the U.S. <laughs> of the U.S. map, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, like, when I picture Hawaii, it's, like, these, whatever, four or five islands. Five that's islands. Yeah, you know? So, there are, like, a shit ton more than that that keep going in that same line way west of, of those five islands. I did not know that. So... Yeah. That is where all the this shit took place in the 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 in World War II, and that's where this game supposedly occurs. So I don't know why they if they're gonna bother to call out something a specific name. Maybe they didn't know. Maybe they thought Valhalla was not an actual island, and that's why they just chose like a word and didn't want to like give it an actual historical rooting. I don't know what the logic would be there, but uh, whatever the case, there's that you're you're at that carrier parked there and. You know, you take off from that, and even before you start the game, there's like this, you, you, you're taken to this RPG menu where you have to divvy up points for your plane. So you, like, develop your plane's capabilities across these four or five categories, and there's a bunch of room to do that as the game progresses, too. So that, I me likey, man. I, I, I love when games do that, and that, that's super off-road shit to me. So that was kind of fucking, you know, a cool aspect that I did not expect. And then it's a Capcom shooter, which is... Like, we think it's not our bag, but it's certainly not bad. Capcom doesn't do bad work, and this is not bad. That's true. <laughs> and it's also it's just, a cool thing, too. Dude, it's got a strategy thing. You you have to... Your fuel is constantly ticking down, which is River Raid vibes. I don't know what... I don't know if we've talked... We had to have talked about it before, but that, I got a big thing for River Raid. That's my favorite 26 game. It's Sorry. 1943. It's just... It's not my bag, baby. It's just not my bag, man. I don't know. Yeah. As shooters go, it's I like not. Shooters. I like it's, shooters. Shooters are fun. It's but. not one hit death. I think maybe you're maybe just thinking. Here's what. I, here's what my. Here's my hypothesis, Jay. Is same I thing I was I'm, thinking. You're only thinking of 1942. 
Because how could you possibly differentiate two games by those names? <laughs> and this game has way more going on than you have ever experienced in a Capcom 1942 uh, iteration. So oh, I'll just say that. Yeah, I love the, the power-up system, too. You like this, dude. The power-up system is cool, too. You So when you get you, you, you make these things appear, there's like there's certain ships that have them. And when you blow up the ship, it turns into this icon that's a POW icon. And... You can shoot them to turn them into different power-ups and cycle through different power-up options. But obviously, to do that, you yeah, you have to dedicate your shooter bandwidth. You have to stop shooting other things and also stay in line with it to turn it into what you want. So there's this cost-benefit analysis to even your power-up tree, which is very, yeah, very fucking cool and very... I have not seen that. So, yeah, man, I don't know. A lot of fucking fun I had playing this, actually. Uh, it's a must to go NES Advantage, too, and I like anything that makes me do that. So, Interesting. Interesting indeed. Got to be more thorough, Jay. Got to be more thorough. I don't want to bomb Hawaiians, bro. Like, yeah. it's, oh, I'll listen. It's cool. I'll listen to it, dude. We'll check yeah. it out. So. <laughs> Smash Serve Volley with Jalico's Tennis Joint, Racket Attack next, and Don Newert calls it a hit, even though Don admits he doesn't know shit about tennis, so, you know, that's what we always Don, say about these... what are you talking about? <laughs> that's what we always say about the tennis games, is neither do we, you know, so maybe, you know, whatever, maybe we're not good yeah. judges of this, but yeah, I don't want to play that. Next, we get Sword, Sorcery, and Adventure with FCI's Ultima! ISOH Side Quest Alum Ultimexus, if you didn't know, now you know. Go look up that five-episode banger in our back catalog. Jay, I can't believe you quit the podcast during that. I'll never be able to fully process that event. The The feature winds down with, for the adventure enthusiasts, Ultima Exodus is the godsend that your Nintendo system has been waiting what? for. What? Yeah. You just, this, I can't even. Well, here's the thing, Jay. How did, how did this happen? This here, is no, Jay, worst. stop, 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 oh. stop. Let me, let me ask you a couple questions. It's One. Like no, no. Let, let, me ask you, let me ask you a few questions, Jay. Let me ask you a few questions. Do you consider yourself an adventure enthusiast? An adventure enthusiast? Well, I do fancy a good adventure. And okay, adventure. so there you go. So you do commit yourself an adventure enthusiast. No, no, no. And, Actually, I'm going to no, 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 no <laughs> I don't know. Things God, God send me some. Things things that are good enough to be sent from God. I mean, I, I generally like His blessings. So let's see. <laughs> okay. If, if then I don't like understand it. how this went sideways, Jay. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> because those words were misapplied to a thing that did not deserve such praise. This such game is so terrible. Why are we talking about it here? Like, oh my gosh, man! Like, this is just. Well, I don't know. That's I, not that's not how your boy Donnie uh, uh, Newart feels. He is back for the critical. Don needs to just. He's, he's calling this a hit, and he goes on to say, "This game is a little." And this, I think, honestly, this actually speaks to your problems as well. But he 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 says the game is a little difficult to get started. But once you have progressed through enough experience levels, you'll be able to explore uncharted areas and become more involved with the adventure. There's plenty to see and do, and completing the quest is not the overnight pushover that some so-called strategy games turn out to be. And I think that's it, Jay. I think you didn't stick with it long enough to get to the stage of the gameplay that he is citing there. That let me say. Where... Let me let me just state it. I mean, now, now that we're talking about this and, and 
and Ultima's coming back up again. I just I just want to let anybody know who's who happens to be listening to the podcast. Um, as we talk about Ultima, I will unequivocally never play another Ultima game again. Thank you very much. <laughs> we'll and see. Uh, I'm very convinced. You said, that, you said that about Strider too. Look where look where that took us. Ever. Look where that took us. Uh, I love the illustration of the wizard sitting on the teeth of a human skull mandible at the bottom. That's a cool illustration too. That's my favorite one of the the little the little illustrations they do for these games. Titles bubble bobble now, and this is the 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 lead in tagline for this is blow bobbles, blow bubbles to battle bad guys. <laughs> this is a nice tongue twister. John Styles gets his first review, calling it a direct hit, the crown jewel of this rating system. And it is a straightforward enough for novices, or rather, it is straightforward enough for novices, yet contains enough variety, hidden strategies, and challenge to keep the best of us coming back for more. And there's part of me that really wants to game up this, too, just to strum some nostalgia shit. Because I think this was a fun rental game I had as a kid. Uh, but I don't, just don't know if there's enough there. It is it is very fun. And it's couch co-op-y, too. We could, it's a, it'd probably be a blast, the couch co-op. But... It is an incredibly basic game. <laughs> that it is, that it is. Yeah. As but many games were during this time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The last NES ditty is fucking Vic Tokai's Bump and Jump. Soar Vic over the Tokai. blacktop jungle is their, their lead in there. Donnie Boy calls this a hit. I think he's full of shit. Fuck this game. It's not good. <laughs> no, not at all. Hit yeah. Lies. I told you. Don. Don knew his. <laughs> Don. 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 Terrible Don taste. Don doesn't You're know his ass. doesn't know his ass from a hole, a hole in the ground. Fuck Don. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Watch Zelda become a legend on your Nintendo Entertainment System. Zelda. Zelda, Zelda, Zelda! The Legend of Zelda. A never-ending adventure new for your Nintendo Entertainment System. Zelda! That is a Legend of Zelda commercial I came across looking for a xenophobe commercial. And I had never seen this. It's a dude in a black box theater, wearing all black, working through what I'd consider an acting exercise. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like he's kind of acting out being Link. As he navigates Hyrule and battles and reacts to encountering the various enemies he calls out by name. And then at the end, he's kind of searching for Zelda, you know. So, yeah, yeah. it's interesting to me that I never... All, I mean, I Google how I fucking... 100, I got up to like 120 episodes or something. Like, I've Googled so many Nintendo commercials. The idea that, that hasn't just popped up and I haven't clicked on it is crazy to me. Man, they clearly did not know how to market it. and Or they just didn't know that it become such a hit at the time. Like, they just... It's, yeah. It's it's weird. It's definitely it doesn't. Yeah, it's not. It's like, definitely not as compare, good as the one. You compare that to any later Zelda like marketing, completely different because they <laughs> they highlight it. Now they're just like it's Zelda. Pretend yeah. to do this. <laughs> hope it works. You know? yeah. We think it's good. Let's see what happens. Yeah, that's well. You know, yeah, it's just the neophyte stage. <laughs> yeah, and you know they didn't. I think I I think there's a whole you know there's a whole uh, I don't know slice of retro gaming industry analysis about how Atari games would put... That was like a big thing, shifting from Atari to Nintendo and the video game crash and yada, 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 is that Atari is thought of as having kind of misrepresented what Atari games were by putting pictures of things on game boxes that weren't what was on screen. And they think one of NES's good marketing choices was 
that those black box games are like pixel art of exactly what's going to be in the game. So there's not this yeah. this gap between what you expect and what you oh, get, man, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I think that is kind of what's happening there is like they don't they realize that the game doesn't look like real life and to them they're worried that that matters so they try to like talk about other shit instead fair, you know? fair, yeah. Fair, yeah. Um, so getting egm here we are moving into the sms features and they start with sega's rpg ease and defeat the black castle is the lead-in title there and this repeats that same wizard on the mandible illustration so i don't I don't Maybe know. It's a type. Maybe. It's well, that that's what that was my thinking, and the, also the possibility is they're just giving Sega the shaft, like all the like everyone does, <laughs> you know. Because no real. Because here's the thing: on Rostan, which is the same kind of, it's not the same genre. I get it. It's on RPG, but it is the same kind of story world. I don't know. It's to me. I don't know what to think about that. I don't know what to think. Well, if if I'm looking back at it, like 1943 is just like an airplane, right? Rocket racket attack is somebody swinging a racket. So well, bubble Ultra, bobble Ultra is just the cute ass dinosaurs. In yeah, the I was game, gonna say so. bubble bobble seems very specific. It, yeah, to yeah, it busts the theory. Else, I, I did the same thing. Matters. I did the same thing. I went through and I was like, I tried to like, well, it's like one of those fucking hat what? trick is is hockey. So so they did what they could do. Otherwise, they're like, eh, I went, but I went through it like thinking it was it was one of those like you know you try to like which one of these things doesn't belong kind of exactly. puzzles, you know? And yeah, I, I got to bubble bop and I was like, nope, that doesn't work. It doesn't, nope. that doesn't, that's not the theme. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what the idea. Or maybe bubble bobble broke the whole mold. They're like, we can't even just use the game art. Like, maybe. You know? maybe, like, what you maybe that's do? it. I don't know. But it's, just, it's an arcade. There should be like an arcade machine if that's the, the genre, you know? It's just an arcade port uh, of an action yeah, game, you know? But there's so much an, ac- an action games. puzzle. Arcade's not a, a genre, you know? That's like, fair. It's such a specific thing. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I hope that those remain if we ever see another EGM. I hope that those remain, at least for the early issues, and that we can get a better understanding of what they intended those to represent uh, via that further data compiling. So uh, this is kind of a mashup of Legend of Zelda and Dragon Warrior. It uh, has a real-time movement and battle stuff like Legend of Zelda, but way more talking and items than you have in Legend of Zelda, you know? Mm-hmm. And it might be good. It's on our side quest yet to be quested list, so maybe someday. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I actually have the – I think I have it in the TurboGrafx iteration, which is, of course, better mm-hmm. looking. That makes sense. For uh, our side quest list. But, um, yeah, I've heard these are games that – I think are pretty revered, actually. I think they are thought of well, uh, particularly the TurboGrafx one. So, you know, maybe one day. Ed Simrad must be the designated SMS guru as he handles all three of the SMS reviews in this issue, and he calls this a hit and goes on to say that if you've never tried an RPG before, this might be a good inroad to them. So he thinks it's baby's first RPG. ISOH Game App alum Rastan is next. Slice and Dice Medieval Monsters, not Monsters. And this was your first game up, Jay. Your first ep period. Did you know what the fuck you were getting yourself into when you agreed to do this podcast? And do you remember, or what do you remember most about that first episode? I definitely did not know what I was getting into. (laughs) I did not know I was signing up for BS like Ultima. (laughs) Crazy adventures and, and unexpected games. No, for sure. But... I do have an affinity when I see Rastan now. It's like, oh yeah, I remember that episode. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, what do you remember? What's give me give me one just give me one the first anecdote that comes to mind about that first recording. Anything at all. 
I mean, just being clueless about the setup. Like, <laughs> oh, we're using we're using this software while doing this. Like, oh, okay, just the whole thing. You know, uh, just, very unfamiliar. And just fair, feeling fair. super super rookieish, kind of like, like, oh, <laughs> am I acting? Am I talking? How does the, you know go back to, uh, voice acting days and you know sure. just yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fun. Yeah. It oh, occurred to me as I, when I saw this, that's why I thought I was like, I, we've never talked in hindsight about that first experience. I just, I just plowed right on through and never even asked like, how'd it go? Do you want to keep going? I don't know if I even asked that. Like, like just, uh, just sent you the outline for the next episode. Like, let's go. <laughs> We're off and running. Let's go. <laughs> so Ed calls this a hit. And I feel like even though he's their dedicated Sega dude, you can read the second rate feelings he has for the system and the tea leaves of his copy. <laughs> So this reads, overall, Rastan is a good addition to the Sega lineup. The graphics are better than anything that Taito has done for the NES, and I strongly agree with that, but the animation and scrolling are quite excellent. I like the game, especially the Vines and Nightfall sequences. One of the better licensed efforts Sega has been able to add to the library. And been able to is what I'm really citing here. Like, that's very diminutive language, you know. Like, you, Uh, you don't have much, but... (laughs) Yeah, this, <laughs> you got this'll, something now. This will do. And, yeah, and all this corroborates exactly with what we've been seeing for years now, that Sega was the better system, but they did a shit job of attracting third-party developers to support their system library, and that was their downfall in the 8-bit era. A full pager for also Game Up alum Fantasy Star on the SMS follows that, an ad, and it calls the game the next wave in video gaming. Oh, and wow. there are lots of screenshots that do look badass, and the illustration artwork is medieval fantasy cool to the max. The Sega logo at the bottom has from Tonka below it, and I've never seen that before on any Sega ads, so that was interesting to me uh, as Tonka runs the SMS in the U.S. marketplace bedrock in 1989, uh, just like we were just talking about. It's doing a terrible job of marketing it. And I cannot believe, speaking of uh, retrospective ISOH podcast viewpoints, I cannot believe, Jay, and you thank fucking the, the stars above that you are not part of this. I cannot believe that I played, me and Jab played that whole, or I played the whole game. That little fucker didn't finish it, of course. But I played that whole game, the first Fantasy Star, and it's a full RPG, dude. There's nothing, there's no baby's first RPG about that at all. It's a full RPG, that first one on SMS. I played that the full time with no guides in two weeks. Back before I knew how to do this podcast, Jay. That first, that first, that was such. I remember being so stressed out. Speaking again, and just not knowing, we were just started the podcast. I'm like, we're on two week schedule. I got a, my dumb ass fucking regimented mind. Like I've got to do this in two weeks, and like it was oh like it was like we're a full miserable. Yeah, it was like a full time job finishing that game in two weeks. Uh, it was such a rough go. Oh my god, I'm not doing this again. We can't. Yep, it's yep. Good. We got to come up with. Yeah, Dab did and I. We were like, we were like the I think the first thing we talked about probably then next episode was like we got to figure out a different system for rpgs we we can't not do them we like them too much they're too important uh, to what we're doing here but we cannot do them that way <laughs> Can you imagine saying like let's crank through dragon warrior <laughs> two, two, yeah. in two weeks like yeah, what are we, what? like yeah there's like vacation time planned or something what do right you well the, the, the minute counts out like final fantasy was over a thousand minutes i think oh. of podcasting we did uh, so imagine doing a one-time thousand minute we just like set aside a weekend it's insane fucking insane they would actually wouldn't have done that they'd just been way shittier episodes it's so much a better system obviously anyways last MSMS feature 
SMS, 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 SMS. <laughs> the last SMS feature is Time Soldiers from Sega in-house, Battle Through Time and Space. And it's a top-down shooter where you travel through different eras of time and shoot shit. The feature compares it to Akari Warriors in style. And it does include simultaneous two-player couch co-op potential, which is probably by far the best aspect of the game. I don't know if you fired uh-huh. this up or not, but... Uh, Ed gives this mag's only lowly near-hit critical designation because it's not a very good video game. He predicates the downside being based in its difficulty, not in the more important fact that it's boring, though. So, Yeah. I think um, I, I, the more I think about this, I interpret the near-hit as their nice way of a miss. So. Right. For sure. Like uh, well, especially at this stage. Again, I, yeah. I speculate they get to misses later. But yes, exactly. This is even right when now, like how how positive can we make this sound for these people right. who are going to be helping? Uh, dude, even this is the only one where I would say even the feature copy trashes it. It says lackluster graphics, inferior sound effects, and the gameplay, or rather gameplay, that will only be mastered by very elite players. So uh, that's pretty critical for the yeah, non-critical part of it. Rough, you know? dude. A full-pager ad winds down the SMS segment of our scheduled programming. This is also from Sega and features an illustration for Thunderblade. And the copy goes much deeper, though, citing all the arcade hotness Sega has brought home to your SMS if your parents didn't love you enough to get you an NES instead. They cite Afterburner, Outrun, Alien Syndrome, Hang On, Shinobi, Double Dragon, etc., etc., they do offer up a 1-800 number they implore you to call to sign up for the Sega newsletter with, 1-800-USA-SEGA. Shall we, Jay? Shall we sign up? Sure. Let's do sure. it. Let's do it. I mean, Sega is still an existing company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they actually had a huge showing at the Game Awards recently. Oh, uh, yes. I've heard about that, so, that, they're, that they're releasing some of their new releases or re-releases of things or something. Is that yeah, they, the idea? Yeah, they've got a lot. I mean, but they've... Oh, my gosh. This call may be recorded for quality assurance. We have a special promotion today for select callers. Are you or someone in your household 50 years of age or older? <laughs> Press 1 for yes if you or someone in your household is what? 50 years no. of age or older. No, Otherwise, but this could now. still be Sega. <laughs> uh, like, what? Thank you for calling the Medical Alert Center. This is Jessica on our recorded line. Oh. Can you hear me okay? Uh, I can. I can hear you, yeah. Can you hear me? Wait. Today, you actually have the opportunity to receive a free medical alert device. So, congratulations! Um, you know, it's that little button you wear around your neck that you press in case of an emergency or um, even a fall. Yes, so I've I've seen the commercials. Our monitoring program, um, you actually can get your medical alert absolutely free. So, uh, oftentimes it's oh really gosh. expensive to buy a device like this. So, um, we make it really simple for you. We pay for the entire unit itself, and then they make it sound like somebody's lying. And then, um, of course, we guarantee you 100% peace of mind. 20 Four hours a day, seven days a week. So, uh, okay. Well, I, I haven't fallen, uh, and I can get up, but I'll take it if it's free. So, under this program, we offer free equipment, <laughs> free shipping, and no startup costs. Continue screen. With monitoring plans that average a little more than a dollar a day, we found ways to make this much needed product available okay. to Okay, okay. I think we're getting off track here. I, uh, ma'am, ma'am, I think we're getting off track here. I'm calling in. I need to sign up for the Sega, uh, or rather, Seam Tega newsletter. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm I'd... sorry, you've reached the Medical Alert Center. Um, unfortunately, we're unable to assist you any further. But uh, just for calling in today, you have the opportunity to receive a special gift. So um, just please stay on the line while I transfer your call. Oh. Wait, she hung up? Oh. She fucking hung up? 
She said that and then hung up. Wow. That was fucked up. Medical was... Alert Center, a.k.a. Scam Center. Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's some sort of scam. Yeah, what the fuck? What the fuck? Okay, but how can Sad. they scam you if they hang up on you? That was nuts. That's disappointing. Yeah. I, I like how they... Uh, I, I like how their AI didn't uh, acknowledge my fucking fallen can't get up commercial <laughs> reference there. That was right. <laughs> like if this is referenced, if this text is referenced, hang up script. Right. The second I said, yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. well, she stuck. They stuck around for that. Uh, but when I said Sega T- Seam Tega newsletter, well, I can't even say it. Seam Tega newsletter is what the jab thing was. That's what he called one of those newsletters once. And yeah. if, you, if you weren't, uh, you have to be around a long time to be able to understand that reference in our back catalog. Uh, but if you go back and listen to that, that's pretty good. But yeah, that is what got her off the line when I said that. When I when I denounced the the way you the say their newsletter yeah. or Sega's newsletter, that's what sent them running for the hills. So interesting. Interesting. Maybe there's like, oh, if this references any kind of like newsletter. Sega, stuff, like, yeah. Is that possible that like I'm. Not the first one to call them, either with a Sega joke or trying to reach Sega just uh, earnestly. It's very possible. <laughs> I mean, you never know. Yeah, you yeah. Never know. That was wild. Yeah, that was definitely uh, AI, though, for sure. That was not a real human being. Well, well, that was kind of fun, I guess. Better than just go straight to voicemail bullshit or, or not to voicemail earlier to a full not set up voicemail box that we got earlier for FCI. Yeah. Next up here in EGM1 is what we all came to this party for. Jay's Atari Corner! Send Slapshot across the ice with hat trick on your Atari 7800 system. Jay, tell us all about this lifelike hockey sports ball experience. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. I mean, excited to see that there's a 7800 game featured. Clearly. I mean, we're on page, like, 50 of the mag. (laughs) That's the first time we're hearing about Atari. Yeah. Yeah, but it's front and center. And it's a hit, so happy to hear that. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I, I do love video game hockey. I do love hat trick hockey. What does I, that mean? What is that? What is what do you, you like that? You should like when three goals get scored. Is that what you're saying? Or what do you mean? <laughs> so, I like the idea of it. However, I will play the hockey games on the NES instead of this one. I mean, okay. it's, 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 it's like, I like that it's here. You know, it's one of those things where like, I played it, and I'm like, oh, man, I remember freaking trying this game. Okay. And then when I say it's trying it... One-on-one on one hockey is interesting, kind of. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah, the idea of it. but it, like, And I remember playing this and thinking before, like, this is not this is not what I want to do. This is not... <laughs> when I think of hockey, like, I don't... It's more of an a la air hockey concept since it's one-on-one. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's I just concur, not yeah. the same... Yeah. Yeah. Cool that it's here, but it kind of just shows a limitation in systems when when I see this and then pick up the NES. So okay, well Lloyd Meaton is our tr- sad. He, <laughs> Lloyd, yeah, he he is our trusted EGM Atari correspondent. Jay's salary demands at the time must have been out of their budget, so he calls this a hit despite a personal statement on it that doesn't exactly line up with that. Jay, do you want to give us Lloyd's take in in oh in gosh. your uh, in your own voice? Granted. This isn't the standard game of hockey, only two players per team, but nonetheless, it's still fun to play. The game seems to lack on the overall sound quality, but it makes up for this with a gameplay that's an easy to grasp. It's not even necessary to read the instructions. Atari may finally have a winner. Dot, dot, dot. And dang, man, how are you going to come in with like Atari? You're you're the Atari correspondent, which by the way, how do you get that? How do you get... 
stuck with uh, that. Uh, <laughs> you're 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 an intern who you right. You just got a paying job, and so it's this pro- is your it's first Jay, chance. Let's let's be real, choice. Jay. It's not paid. <laughs> it's not. And the Atari correspondent first. does not get money. <laughs> exactly. They're like, here you go. Like, oh, oh, you you thought you were going to play some games? You do. Here, here's your stack of any here of Atari ones. Pick the best. Go yep. for it. We then move into a two-banger on Tetris for the NES of the Tengen variety because that's the way better one with head-to-head play as opposed to the Nintendo version with only one-player shit. And they don't skip the game feature tagline up top. Thankfully, here it reads, From Russia with Love. And this is their designated game of the month that receives the U.S. national video game team's coveted player's seal of approval. They explain that this mark of excellence means, uh, or whether what it means on the first page, to identify those games with which display superior design. The U.S. National Video Game Team, a collection of the world's best gamers, or game players, have started an endorsement campaign to point out those games which deserve special attention. It's your guarantee that the game you or the games you buy are of the highest quality available. And uh, I know it's perfectly reasonable because no one knows what the fuck it is in 1989, but it's still so weird to see a 1989 two pages of copy explaining what that is. You know what I mean? Like, in 1989. They're like, explain to you how Tetris works. And to me, that's as basic as, like, how eating food works. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's just crazy to, for them to try to, like... And, it, and it's so... Also, just, the you know, because it's so, I don't know, uh, just ingrained in society i guess but also like it's such a basic thing too that like i feel like they struggle to do it because it is such a and which is part of why tetris is amazing because it is so mm-hmm. just basic yet incredibly fun you know uh and i think they struggle to like make that work for that reason <laughs> but it also yeah, makes yeah. sense like yeah you know, basic life process <laughs> I, I, I feel like probably like a lot of other people i mainly play text tetris on my game boy mm-hmm. and so like having the a colorful NES version, like if I don't again, have a Game yeah. Boy, the head-to-head thing is so critical too. Being that, I cannot believe the uh, NES version or the Nintendo version of it did version. not have that. Yeah. That's crazy, absolutely nuts. So that's kind of it for console stuff. EGM then turns to the dark ages of PC gaming with features for games on PC compatibles, Amiga and Commodore sixty four, and. Yeah. Not what we do here on the main quest line of the ISOH podcast, PC Gaming, but knowing what I know about action gaming on PCs in 1989, the thought of playing Dragon Warrior, or Dra- Double Dragon, rather, in that manner makes me want to jump off the fucking roof. That's one of the, right. the games here. That's a here. big no. That's a big no. Like, even uh, seeing it here, I had to do a double click myself. Like, oh, yeah, they're not even talking about the NES one. <laughs> right, right. So, so yeah, they, yeah, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, there's a couple in here, like Zach McCracken is of interest to me too it's a lucasfilm game scum engine type deal that's kind of in the maniac mansion day of the tentacle vein uh so i've never tried that but maybe one day jab and i will hit it in one of our edit config sys quest series <laughs> uh which by the way jab and i finally recorded that yesterday uh i know there's a handful of disciples out there that have been like what the fuck man <laughs> it was like nine months ago that you guys did the first episode of that what's up with that so that's coming I have a lot of my editing plate this week. And we get some insight into the economics of routinely having EGM in our lives in 1989 during this stretch as well. Their subscribe ad is in here, and they ask 1995 for 12 issues on a monthly basis. They make their case up top. Do you play video games? 
then you must subscribe to like Tony <laughs> Monthly, which like well logical. Case, yeah, 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 case closed. USA's national video game team. I'm gonna, I don't know why I was questioning you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean I do want to play like a pro. I mean it's kind of you got me there. Yeah, yeah. Come on, they got me. Just got like it. just like I backed Jay into a corner earlier with Ultima. Same deal. It's very smart. Very smart strategy. The high scores feature, governed by the Amusement Players Association International Scoreboard, follows the PC stuff, and this is dominated by coin-op scores. And I had never even thought, or had the thought, of kids trying to take pictures of arcade cabinets for this purpose before, and that is a glorious mental image that makes me maybe even happier than the home iteration (laughs) of it, because it's in a public forum, you know? So there's a certain level of whole deal to that, I think, you know? Like, oh shit, get the fuck, mom, get the camera. <laughs> like, in an arcade. Like, what you send the one, you're about to beat it, you send your brother to go find mom. <laughs> or, or no, you gotta be like, if you're close, if you think there's a chance you're beating it, you're like, mom. Or you stay here. cousin, or little brother. Like, you gotta have the Polaroid, you gotta, ready? Yeah. When I when I say ready, you gotta pull out, and you gotta position it. This, you gotta get the score in the screen. Like, you gotta be angled right here, so you gotta hold it. You know, yeah. you gotta, it's a process, man. That, I, I like it, thinking about it. Yep, I agree. So they feature those arcade games. They have pinball scores, too, and then a much smaller focus on NES and SMS scores under the heading Home Games. And I feel like Home ga- yeah, I feel like home Games has a tonality to it that suggests it is lesser in some way. Right? You know? Yeah, like Coin-Op. Coin-Op is in all caps as right. well, whereas Home Games is just like, yeah, Home Games. Yeah, these, these little child's playthings. Yeah. Uh, most importantly, this does include the power player's location, which extends us the opportunity for Ohio Geography Lesson segments that maybe 4% of our listeners have even a glimmer of hope of, <laughs> of being entertained by. We do them anyways. What do you say, John? Fuck them. Sadly, though, Ohio has terrible representation on this scoreboard. There's only one piddly NES score for Gradius from Nigel Planner of Dayton, Ohio to speak of. And doing Dayton is no fun. So it's not nearly obscure enough, in my opinion. So we're going to skip it this month or this episode. This also lists the date of the score. And there are dates going all the way back to 1983 on here. And that was interesting to me. Did you notice that? What? How is that even? Yeah. What is that kind of? It's funny because this says... Amusement Players Association International Scoreboard, like the like this is a collection. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a governing body, dude. Uh, scores not, across it's, it's the a, whole. Yeah, like these guys. It's a it's an oh. a, a, an entity that has been cataloging these, and like I think you know it's part of. I think they're like I don't know. I don't want to say affiliated, but it's a it's a group like the Game Players Association. So I'm sure they you know they're buddies. They hang out. They they play like together we turn, like we need to like we need to put a legit score. Can anybody beat this score? This is the score. Right. <laughs> this is the this score. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is the score. <laughs> this is not a score. This is the score. Right. Yeah. That is fascinating. The last thing in here is their next issue preview, which they title Game Over. And I like that very much also. It's funny that we have these bookend, very cool segment names with the letter from the editor and the next issue. They do a good job of theming it all. That's fun. Screenshots of Adventure of Link and Rampage have me salivating. I don't know about you. Ooh. And they say at the bottom that the third issue hits newsstands on April 22nd, 1989. And there's two things that are interesting about that. One, they feel the need to assure you that a third issue will follow the second issue. Like that's the, the that's like it's coming. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, be sure, be, be secure and, and, and send and subscribing time. precisely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do not uh, worry that we're going to fold. And then two, this first issue is the May 1989 issue. So I guess EGM is a time traveling magazine because 
<laughs> we're going backwards oh, to April. Yeah, yeah. they or they oh, they're the numbering was so right. odd then. I, yeah. I always remember it being like, Oh, it's March and I'm reading the freaking like July August issue. Well, I'm guessing, or this even was, in reverse. Like I'm. Reading I, I think it just took them a while. Like basically, when I when I was going through the history lesson, I think they they didn't intend for there to be that gap between the last issue of the other one in '88 and this one in '89. I think they 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 wanted to switch over and go right into '89 with it. And it, you know, mm-hmm. first issue takes some shit. You know, they had troubles of some kind. So they probably did this design and didn't catch it before it went out. And this issue wasn't supposed to be May. It was probably supposed to be before April, yeah. February or some shit. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, that that is my interpretation of that problem. But either way, it's oh, kind of sure. fun. They got used to it and, like, the timeline to how long it took to do the monthly mag. And it was like, okay, this is more work than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, they also probably just had, like, distribution problems, you know. Yeah, or they're like, all right, kind. more realism behind, like, the timelines and what things take right. to get. right. Full pages from SNK and Bishu Joystick Bullshit close us out. The SNK one is Ikari Warriors 2 and Iron Tank. Mm-hmm. And uh, Iron Tank is kind of interesting. We've uh, It's been a while since we've yeah. seen it, but that's been one that always kind of I'm kind of intrigued by. There's like, it's like a, you play as a tank, but there's kind of some, there's it's more layers to it. You're like doing a campaign and there's like objectives and stuff. So it's a little yeah. deeper dive than just uh, blowing shit up with a tank, which is cool. <laughs> Master Master Area One theme, blinging us, blinging us, blinging us. The blinging us is good. Blinging us, <laughs> blinging us into the nominations. I like it. <laughs> blinging us into the nominations <laughs> in our. That's good. We're just forevermore. This will. That's what happens here, Jay. We are getting blinged into this section. Just so you know, <laughs> we're blinging in. Let's yeah, that, go. That is an established thing now. <laughs> oh, Way to go. create precedence and set something in oh, stone. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, okay, so what are your nominations? Oh, man. <laughs> this is going to be a fascinating session to me because um, I feel like I have no idea what's coming. It's going to be all over the place. Um, first of all, we're going Tiger Heli. Okay. The flying vertical, scri- <laughs> vertical scrolling flying shooter, which we talked about earlier in the episode. And not that it was a great one, but... Just going through all these games, again, it was such a specific time earlier in the NES generation to where... Only so many I, options. You got to, yeah, getting, getting comfortable with like, all right. Well, just so you know, what Jay, do we do? Uh, spoiler alert, I hear your Tiger Healy, I raise you 1943. Oh, man, okay. <laughs> I, I would actually be more interested in 1943 than Tiger Healy just because I've seen the box art for 1943 so many times. I'd at least be like, all right, I... Give me, let me try it. I know what Tiger Heli is. I, I've seen that. But so that would be the first one. Second would be Qbert. Oh. And so, okay. <laughs> be careful, Jay. Be careful because I'll agree to this. <laughs> the reason I bring up Qbert, like, I don't know about you, but when we were kids, Qbert was everywhere, man. Like, it was. I love to. I love, I, it's I it's one of my favorite arcade games. It's so good. It's so, so good. I don't know how the fuck to play it. Like, excuse my language. I probably shouldn't curse, but like, I don't know how to play it. Like, 
Jay, Some, I say something fuck about it. Seventy thousand times an episode. <laughs> something about it is always confusing to me as a kid, and I, I remember looking at it. I don't know if like the only time I ever tried it, I definitely didn't have an instruction manual. But like wherever I was and whatever system I was on, I was like, uh, "What? I don't understand this." Is play weird. for five minutes. Obviously, you understand. Play five minutes as an adult. You understand it. It's but super simple. Again, it's like, yeah. So that's what happened as an adult. Now preparing for this, I saw it in here. I was like, oh, "Let me freaking download this game and try it." The and NES so I'm one. Like, Are we talking yeah, the yeah. NES one? Yeah. So I downloaded it and I'm like, "Oh, okay." I kind of get the okay. So this is how you're supposed to. Go. And obviously, I didn't play long, but it had me enough. Interested to think it's like, a good right, game. Be super careful. Man, I'll play Cubert. Yeah. I'll play Cubert, dude. It's fucking so good. It's my uh, the thing. The problem is the NES one is the worst one. I think. Oh really? Well, yeah. I don't know what other versions are out there. I just picked that. I just grabbed that. one. Yeah, I don't. I again, yeah. Game. In this in this era, I don't know if there's a Sega one. I guess we could. I mean, that's not. We can I guess see. That's not. That's not really. We can do whatever we want. It's our podcast. But, uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not. Don't, we don't not want a Sega. Strider Strider situation. That's the yeah. thing. I like. I don't want a Strider Strider one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so keyword okay. number two, and then third, Blaster Master. For previous discussions, that you know, always seeing it at Grandma's house. But whenever I whenever I had the chance to play Mario Brothers one or two or Duck Hunt, I'm choosing those over Blaster Master because they're Mario. You okay. know, and so especially if I had like a cousin or older somebody else who was there, I didn't always get the chance to play that, and. You know, you got a recipe for me trying it, dipping my toe into it, but I don't really know what to think of it outside of that. So I'd be willing to kind of check that out as well. Okay. Well, I have Blaster Master as well. Mm. I mm. Mm. I didn't really fuck with it as a kid, maybe some sort of cursory whatevers, but I tried when I first got the Switch, or first got Switch Online, rather, I fired up a... a, a Try a playthrough of it on that. Oh, it is on Switch Online. Yeah, oh, it, it it was it was okay. it was quite hard, and I didn't was able to finish it for some reason or another. Even with I remember pulling up the NES map, the Nintendo Power Maps too, and I still could. It's it's a lot. It's a, it's a big uh, game. So that's okay. maybe one caveat, or one at least not a caveat, but a thing to understand about what you're saying is that it is a it's it's I don't know. It's not. It's by no means side quest level it's not like we're like fucking like we just talked about yeah rpg stuff but it is all it's a it's big still involved it's a it's a big involved game for sure which whatever it's the holidays it's not doesn't i don't think i shouldn't disqualify it but uh that it is to be known so i have that i have the aforementioned 1943 as, as a flying shmup answer and then i have actually two more i have iron sword mm-hmm. uh the second wizards and warriors which is yeah. it's an interesting game. I don't think I ever beat it. Jab had it. It's a good game. It's got some faults. It's a claim, so it's not perfect. But the first one was pretty good. It was one of the very first game episodes we Jab and I did early on in the pod. I think it was our second yeah. game episode, if I recall uh, correctly. So, you know, we've talked about. I've talked about like the revisiting those those campaigns is interesting, and I think kind of a a cool part of what we're doing. The kind of the 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 development of even within a individual game franchise, talking about that progress is, is interesting. Uh, historical analysis stuff that I like including in what we're doing here. So that's a, that's a cool component of that one. And the other one I had is Iron Tank, which I said is just kind of a curiosity to me that I think there's a little bit going on to and might be kind of fun. So with overlap of Blast Master, I guess of, of, of things that we that you suggested and fucking really piqued me is the Blast Master and Qbert. Qbert is super basic. <laughs> But it's super fun. 
I hate the Nintendo One. It's such a poor iteration of it. Uh, I feel like, I guess, well, fuck it. We can we can always just put in the elevator music. Is there an SMS version? I mean, also, like our real in the real timeline, we're <laughs> in the in the canon timeline. Sure. We're in 1990, 1991. There is an there is an SMS port, as you would expect. So did my take on Blastermaster kind of turn you off on that? I mean, on it being that large, yeah, only because it's holiday, and I would rather play multiple games over the holiday and not like be bogged down, especially if it's like, especially again, I, Jay, especially, especially with As- Asgard's Wrath coming out on the 15th is going to make it really tough to do anything. Especially, I got zombies to kill. I mean, (laughs) they're they're waiting on me. I got zombies that are waiting to get murdered. Okay. Uh, Iron Sword doesn't do anything for you? Not really. I mean, I, I mean, I could, I mean, the idea of that, yeah, I could, I could always do a platforming kind of action-y medieval fantasy type thing. Yeah, I'm never, never, never going to turn, never going to turn that down. I just, it didn't jump out at me like a, ooh, but, Again, all I feel like everything in this era either falls into I love it and I've played it, I've played it and I hate it, or no in the middle, it or it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. you know, like we'll see, whatever. Uh, okay, okay, and that they fall. This falls into that, like yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if you put it in front of me, I'd, I'd play. Yeah, it I would rather. I, I would. There's probably a dope ass fucking Genesis Cubert coming down the line or something. I would rather ha- wait on Cubert to play one that because it is a, an awesome game. Uh, Especially if I, you're saying there's better versions. Like I don't want to play a. Well, yeah, I mean it's been ported to everything. <laughs> We're not doing Strider Strider. So. <laughs> right, yeah, it's imported to everything ever. So yeah, there'll be a Genesis version and probably an SNES version. Well, I just didn't know how far that went. Like to yeah. me, Cubert was like a kid oh, thing. No. So like I don't know if it was like. Like Atari NES. Cubert was, was in. Cubert yeah. was in one of those, like Wreck It Ralph or something. Like that. That that yeah, character is still around. Was, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's that. it's not died at all. So yeah, so let's yes. hold off on that. So yeah, so I would say then, I I think Blaster Master is too much too. I I that's more of a kill quest type thing. I think kind of thing. that okay. just needs to happen on our own time. I don't think it fits into a game episode. It's, it's one of those limbo games like Willow and stuff, where it's mm. just too much for a game episode. I think. Um, for being responsible. So 1943 and Iron Sword would be the two I would advocate for most strongly. So I'll let you decide between those. I mean... I, I'm in the mood for a flying shooter. Let's go to 1943. Okay. Flying shooter-ish. 1943 it is. Wow, I never would have thought I would have chose that game. Wow. <laughs> it's, funny. it's funny how this discourse just leads you right? leads like, you crazy yeah. places, Jay. It's, 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 it's just a but again, that, that box art is like key in my mind. So it's like, okay, nostalgia unlock. Let's yeah. dive in. It was good. I mean, I, 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 again, I was wildly surprised how much fun I had while playing. I finished the whole first stage, and I was like, oh, I can play more of this right For now. For you, the yeah. non-flying shmup guy. Yeah, precisely, right. yeah, yeah. But I said that about Captain Skyhawk, and you hated that. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so before we wind this up, Jay, I hit it. I, I'm I'm forcing us to do a live selection show now because of, of the way you've handled things. The oh, no. yes, the RPG side quest situation. Get that yet to be quest list up and give me your top three right now. Okay. I I have the other data totally accumulated and aggregated. Uh, me and Jab select, blind selections have been made, and I also have the disciple votes. And the way we're going to do this is while Jay is looking this up, uh, each of us have made a top three list and the 
position one gets three points, position two gets two points, position three gets one point, and then each of the disciples' votes also counts as one point. So we are more a little a little more what? heavily weighted in this uh, meritocracy, I think maybe disciples. <laughs> yeah. Disciples don't don't, don't fuck us. Here, don't guys. fuck us. They didn't. Don't I don't screw think, me here. I don't think they. I don't think they fuck us. They fucked us. There's a couple like, that that are. Trying I swear. To fuck I us. swear. If but not not enough. Up, not enough. I will to sway. not. I will not honor any votes to Ultima Four. They there. There's no one stuffing the ballot jokes. boxes with with incendiary <laughs> voting practices. Uh, that, uh, enough to sway. Audit the ballot box. Yeah. Not enough to sway the election. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Give me give me your top three from that yet to be quested list. Dude. Okay. Okay. Here it is, man. Here it is. I gotta, I gotta go. Uh, because peak nostalgia from all the Nintendo Power magazines and everything else, I gotta go. Star Tropics, number one. Okay. Gotta go. Star Tropics. Um. <laughs> number two. Man, I hesitate to put this number two because I didn't know much about it, but because it has such a huge following. Man, I, part of me just wants to choose Nintendo just because I feel like that would be easier to quest. But I'm going to actually go Fantasy Star 2. Okay. And then for the third one. I don't know. Doing Legend of Zelda seems so basic. I just, I don't know. I don't want to do that. I'd rather do either Crystallis or Earthbound. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Earthbound and just pick okay. a wild one. Mother. Okay. So that's Jay's top three Star Tropics, Fancy Star 2, and Mother. Jabs three were Star Tropics first, Crystallis second, <gasps> Fantasy Star 2. My three were Fantasy Star 2, Mother, then Star Tropics. And then we had Disciple votes for Crystallis, Mother, Fantasy Star 2, Legend of Zelda, and then two votes for Ultima. <laughs> that, were, that were definitely trying to fuck you. <laughs> but like that. It's not going to be enough to, to get it, to get it uh, in, in the total election here. So uh, let me tally all that up real quickly. Do some math here. So Star Tropics gets three more points. Fancy Star gets two more points. Oh, my God. We're going to have a fucking problem. Uh, And then Mother gets one more point. Okay. I almost threw Crystallis in there, and I'm afraid. Oh, well, that wouldn't have done it. That wouldn't have done (laughs) it. uh, So what we have here is seven seven points for Fancy Star 2, seven points for Star Tropics. Which I did not expect to tie, nor did I devise, nor did I devise a tie-breaking method for this system here. So we're going to have to that one on the fly. Uh, We have Mother in third place is that what should that be the answer actually should be because those two tied and the next and I I don't know if that's fair necessarily no because I just kind of threw that one I would rather play either the other two before (laughs) that's not that's not the point of of tie breaking tie breaking is 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 not meant to appease just one person Jay tie breaking is meant to make the most no but like if the top the most reasonable solution or much more strong yes yes that's the more classic I agree fuck off then then Crystallis had three points Ultima had two Legend of Zelda had one Uh, I agree Legend of Zelda would be too basic that was Matt Gould's vote actually was Legend of Zelda or at least that's the one he talked about I guess he didn't necessarily vote for it, but that's kind of how I interpreted it. Uh, and I agree. Yeah, it's just it, there's just not enough going on there. I don't think it'll be boring as fuck side quest, even though the game is obviously classic enough. Right. Yeah. 
okay, so Fantasy Star and Star Traffic. How the fuck do we use Let's flip a coin. You got a coin? Do anyone have coins Dude. anymore? Do they make coins anymore? <laughs> <laughs> it's... Do I have to invent on my, my tiny decisions app? I can t- grab a I can grab a coin and flip it three times real fast. Okay. Well, that's all, right. all or nothing. Let's Play just do it thing. all or nothing. I want Fantasy Star. So I'll wait till you get back to say that again, I guess. <laughs> Ready? All right. So I want Fantasy Star. That was my number one. Your number one was Star Tropic. So I think it's logical that my call is Fantasy Star as far as how to do this. So when you flip, I'll call. And you are doing, let's just so we clearly define this. It is a you're, dime. Okay. And you're catching and then. I'm catching and then. And then flipping to the back of yeah. the hand? Okay. Yeah. All right. That's idea. That's important in this week. Okay. That's important in how I. Let me just see. I'm like, it's been a while since I flipped. That's, that's important to how I, I do catch this. it and then I go. Okay, worse. All right. So when you flip it, I'll call. So we're we going three, two out of three? Or uh, no, no, just, just all, for no, all just or nothing. One. All or nothing. All right. All right, ready? All right. Tails never fails in honor of Josh Allen. So Bill Bills. if it's tails, it is it's fantasy star two. If it's heads, it is it's star, star tropics. tropics. Yes. It is tails. Tails never fails. Bills are going to beat the fuck out of the Chiefs today. <laughs> Fantasy Star 2. Oh, Star I did it. Tropics, I, man. But fucking, I, in the name of Sega, I got us on a Sega. I did it. I got us to a Sega fucking RPG. I feel so proud of myself. Okay, so the direction of the podcast has been has been established uh, for the next couple of months here. We will play, be playing Fantasy Star 2 in a side quest, and then we are playing 1943 in our next game episode here on the main quest wow, line. I let us and... down with the Star Trek. <laughs> it's there. I think that's probably what we do next. I'm, fa- I'm fine with that next. I just, I, I hate that we haven't done a Sega one yet. It's not fair. Uh, okay, so subscribe to the pod on the platform provided whatever dumbass company that shows up your pottery. Please rate and leave positive shit for the pod on whatever platform you listen to. If you enjoy our nonsense, the website is nyhentertainment.com forward slash ISOH pod. Email us directly at isohpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the pod and banter with us on the Facebook page, Instagram, and subreddit. And talk shit to us about our gameplay videos on the YouTube. Links to all those will be in the show notes. If you want to berate the way we're handling the side quest in the coming months, if we, or rather, we do not have a Patreon, but if you like giving money to things podcasters tell you to, and would like to do so in our direction, the Able Gamers Foundation creates custom gaming rigs for gamers with disabilities. That's cool as fuck. AbleGamers.org is where you can find them, and they have lots of holiday stuff going on, fundraising-wise, that I highly recommend. We're actually doing on our... Instagram right now, we are doing a fundraiser uh, that goes to them entirely. Um, so please do engage that or uh, them via their website as well. And t-shirts on the website, they're dope and proceeds on those after pot expenses go to Able Gamers. Jay, what are your socials? Gentleman JB without the second E. That's where you can find me everywhere. Word. I am on Instagram at MyShiftKeyIsBroke. I'm on Twitter at Josh Folan, and my Oculus tag is MyShiftKeyIsBroke. If you want to get hammered, or do some hammering, rather, in Dungeons of Eternity, uh, or I guess if you want to challenge me to Beyond Wolf walkabout, to make me download it, whatever. But I'll probably ignore you and play Asgard's Wrath, too. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. bye.